0: better than a glass of beer is team with Miss McGill <laughs> And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast my name is Darren thank you very much for tuning in to episode 4 of some enforcer based podcasting coming at you here on the Hockey Podcast Network uh, thank you very much for tuning in guys on this, on this well dreary Sunday here but uh but it's, uh, we're opening the vault here on Sundays, as we do, and uh, here at the 4th Line Voice offices, and I am uh, re-uploading uh, my interview that I did last November with the one, the only, the man, the man, myth, the legend, Brad Wingfeld. Winger was great, and uh, he was an awesome interview, and a really rare interview, guys. This was set up through uh, Chris Waltz, set this up for me, uh, another past guest who, uh, whose episode I will be getting up. And uh, Chris has been a great help for the show and always been a supporter, which I greatly appreciate. And, uh, he hooked it up and, uh, and like I said, from talking to other, other players afterwards, they were really surprised that, uh, you know, I, I got an interview out of winger. Usually he's pretty quiet about this stuff. Doesn't like talking about it to kind of outsiders, so to speak. And, uh, but he was awesome, uh, super super nice guy, and told awesome stories. Believe me, you guys will really dig this. I mean, we go all throughout his whole career, right from the BC Junior League all the way up to the end in the Quebec League, and uh, we talk about he talks about uh, different opponents and teammates, and tell stories about the big brawl in BC when he happened to get into it with an usher and security, and then you know through pro, to out to the UK, to back, to playing for the mob in Danbury with the Trashers, and believe me, wait until you hear that story, it'll blow your mind, but he was awesome, and uh, I can't thank him enough for coming on, I did this in last November, so like I said, as I'm going forward, since I lost my website, my initial website, um, when I joined the hockey podcast network, not only bringing new content every Wednesday, but I wanted to really make sure that I got my old player interviews back up online for uh, for people to enjoy. And I because I, I was really proud of the interviews that I've done with the guys, and uh, I think their stories need to be out there. And so my goal is every Sunday t- until the you know until my interviews are all up to uh, to bring you guys a, a past player interview. Last week I did John Nasty Morasti so if you haven't heard that, uh, I highly re- highly recommend you check that out. John was great, and I mean, you know, everybody everybody listening to this knows who John Morasti is. He's a minor league legend, and and like I said, with the interviews, we really timeline the guy's career. We go through we go through it all, and uh, I like to always say no t- no stone left unturned. So uh, yeah, if you're a, a hardcore fight fan, I think you'll get a real kick out of these interviews and. Um, yeah, but other than that, guys, I hope you go back and listen to the other interview or the other uh, episodes that I've done. Um, I got uh, my last episode I did uh, number three, episode three uh, with Steve from uh, from the website whenprobertwasking.com. dot uh, com. We did his uh, top twenty five fighters of all time. And uh, and it got a great response, and Steve was awesome, and it's a a real in depth look. We really break it down, and if you go to his website again, whenprovertwasking.com, dot uh, com, and check out that piece of business, I mean he, the amount of time and effort he put into that, I mean he didn't just go one, two, three, four. No, like he broke down each guy and big wins and added video and pictures and the whole nine yards. And he really poured a lot of uh, time and effort into it. So if anybody out, everybody out there listening, I highly recommend, uh, his website. He does, he does, he writes great stuff and I wanted to get him on. I mean, he was on my old show. I had him on a couple times and he was always a great guest and he's really passionate about the, about, uh, the enforcer game. And, uh, And I always enjoy talking to Steve, and I know, and, uh, I know he's listed, and I thank you again, because I know I kept him up really late with the time difference, two hour difference out there in, in Beantown, and, uh, I think Jesus, it was almost, it was getting close to one o'clock out there in the morning by the time we wrapped up, and, uh, but he was awesome. He brought it the whole way, and, uh, broke down every guy and examples, and I mean, dude's rain man with the dates and the years and all that stuff, and, and by the end, I mean, my voice was going, I was shot, but uh, he was awesome. So thank you very much, Steve. And uh, like I said, the response online has been really great. You know, guys have been tweeting out their, you know, who their top 10 was or whatever. And, uh, you know, and the debates have all been good. Everybody's been real respectful. And, I mean, you know, even if you don't agree with, like, I mean, no one, you, you know, I mean, I didn't agree with all of his 25 either. But, I mean, you know, he made the case for every for each guy. And, I mean, the end of the day, I mean, outside of maybe moving guys around in terms of numerically, I mean, you know, can't really argue with anybody on the list. I mean, there's always guys that were missed that you could interchange, but overall pretty solid and uh not pretty, well was solid, so but no, it was great and I, I like I said, I always enjoy talking to Steve. But uh but other than that, I know uh you know, this has been uh, been a lot of fun uh, so far here in the, in the in the relaunch of the of the uh, of the show, and uh, I know somebody had sent me uh, my boy Alec there. We were we were joking about the the ratings and everything else, and he actually sent me over. Uh, I don't even know where he got the rate. He took a screenshot of it anyway, but apparently it's fifty something out of the hockey podcast or something from last yet yeah, last week. So that was actually pretty cool, and. Uh, you know, not the ranks are a big deal, but at the end of the day, it's you know, hey, it's nice to know people are listening and uh, and enjoying the show and uh, and like I said, I love the feedback, guys. So if you're on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show, if you could uh, rate and review it, I know it helps me out in the searches and all that type of stuff, and uh, and I'd really appreciate it. If you're on Twitter, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, drop me a line, drop me a DM or uh, or uh, you know a follow. And I'm always posting pictures and stuff up there, and uh, oh, today I got a little salty with a few people online, kind of going back and forth over that Caps player there and stuff like that, but uh, oh, I'm not even going to get into that here. This isn't a ranting episode, this is a look back episode, so uh, I, I won't do that here. But uh, other than that, also a uh, fourth line voice on YouTube. I uh, got two thousand fight videos on there from every league. Just go to a little search engine, type in whatever league you're looking for: SGHL, AJHL, WHL, OHL, NHL, AHL, USC, all that stuff. And uh, you know, I've got uh, lots of lots of unique stuff up there that I think you guys will really enjoy. Nineteen hundred subscribers so far, and, and growing every day. Big shout out to Alec, my boy. There, he was on Chris Nyland's show on TSN TSN Radio, and uh, he, he threw out a. Throw out some love to the fourth line voice, the YouTube channel, which I really appreciate, and uh, and check him out. Five for Fighting. He just interviewed Knuckles, and he's had some great interviews with Kevin Kaminsky and Rob Ray and uh, Bruce Watson, and you name it. He's had him on, and uh, he always does a good job. As well as uh, you know Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, always doing the Islanders, uh, tough guys, and he's been Joe's been killing it, and uh, yeah, and I mean William over at the Biscuit and. Dan at the Obey the Puck show, and oh, my phone's ringing, look at that. But, um, uh, you know, and Get the Gate, and above, and, uh, Slew Foot Hockey show. And then on the Hockey Podcast Network, I mean, we got uh, every NHL team's represented. You got Terry Ryan, got uh, Brie Leibold, I mean, an analytics show. I mean, lots of stuff here on the network to listen to if, uh, if you're so inclined to current hockey. Although, I guess right at this exact moment, there isn't much to talk about. But, uh, there are people, uh, lots of good people throwing out lots of good content. And, uh, you know, and I appreciate everybody listening right now. Uh, because I know there's lots of stuff out there in the hockey podcast world. And, uh, you chose the Fourth Line Voice podcast, which I greatly appreciate. And, uh, so I will shut up because you came here to listen to Brad Wingfeld. So, uh, let's get at it, all right? And, uh... Look for new episodes every Wednesday, and like I said, the player interviews uh, relaunch every Sunday. And uh, there we go. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, enjoy my interview with Brad Wingfeld. Thanks, guys. All right, here on the fourth line, voice all the way out in beautiful British Columbia, a man who played who was uh, played four years in the BC Junior League, twelve year pro, over thirty five hundred minutes of penalties, uh, an enforcing legend. On the line, Brad Wingfeld. Brad, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing. I'm doing well, Darren. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Hey, no, I appreciate you taking the time. We went back and forth, and we're uh, setting this up, and uh, no, looking forward to it. Like I was just telling you, we're going to, uh, like I tell all the guests, we're going to we'll timeline your career, and uh, you know, we'll get some stories. We'll talk some coaches, some teammates, some opponents who who you liked, who you didn't like, and all that fun stuff. If you're ready to roll, awesome, awesome. I, I hope it
2: uh, jars a few memories here, and uh,
0: we have a good time. Oh, I think so. It's like I said. It uh, every it, uh, that's sort of been the common theme here. We get kind of get guys talking, like you said, to uh, start re- remembering some old some old names. But uh, we'll start off. So you uh, you grew up in uh, BC, correct? Played minor hockey yes, system right. there.
2: Yeah, I grew up in uh, a place called the Sunshine Coast, more specifically, Gibsons on the Sunshine Coast. So, played my minor hockey here in Paul River, which is also part of the Sunshine Coast. So, small little, small little rural towns uh, just outside Vancouver, about a forty-minute ferry ride.
0: Well, and like I said, I brought up the uh, the, uh, the the you know the the thirty-five hundred pims uh were you uh were you always an aggressive player or did that sort of come with age or uh or right from the get-go were you mucking it up
2: yeah no that's uh that's a natural uh, ability that i acquired somewhere right from the get-go so always aggressive always mucking it up uh, i'm always loving to play the body and um all, all that good stuff that comes with it
0: now um I mentioned you uh you played uh four years in the in the B C junior league in the junior A league. Um did you uh did you go there right away or did you go to any uh did you go to any WHL camps at all? Yeah,
2: you know, um so I, like I said, um I, I grew up on the Lower Sunshine Coast and there was no rep hockey here, so eventually me and another buddy of mine, um, we went up to Paul River and played rep hockey and up there they had the Paul River Kings in the B C hockey league and um, that's my first taste of knowing anything about Junior, and this is about bantam age, and uh, so they were a big hit, and we loved the Kings, I didn't know anything about the Western Hockey League, totally uh, uh, isolated and secluded, and didn't know much about it, and was a big fan of the BC Hockey League, and um, so we started out um, actually playing, um, trying out for Paul River Kings at 16, I was sent down to Junior B, um, with my buddy, we were, um, didn't have to live in the city. We had a, uh, worked out so we could commute and travel together. And unfortunately, part way into the season, my buddy was let go and reassigned back to minor hockey to midget. So I went with him. Um, so we had a great year. Went to the provincials that year. It was the first year we had a rep program here on the lower Sunshine Coast. So it was, a, it was a good time. And, um, after that, um, Went back to the BC Hockey League in, in Kelowna, which these guys were back-to-back national champs. So I was recruited there from um, a guy named John Oliver. And um, so played, started in Kelowna, ended up getting let go from there partway into the season. We talked about Bellingham. I, I uh, landed in Bellingham as a 17-year-old. Um, as an, I was placed in Kamloops on their protective list, went to a camp in Kamloops, was traded to a three-way trade from Kamloops, Red Deer to Medicine Hat, and as an eighteen-year-old, I was in the Hat, um, slated to start there. And um, I guess just not being, not knowing what I know now, as an eighteen-year-old, I left Medicine Hat and just came back to the BC Hockey League to be closer to home.
0: Well, and I mean, uh, yeah, it's it, oh, man. That would have been interesting to see you at the WHL in the mid '90s with all with, uh, yeah. with with those characters running around. That would have been uh, that would have been something. Um, but nonetheless, I mean the BC league, you know, it was called Jungle A for a reason too, and I mean it was certainly not, uh, it certainly wasn't a cakewalk. Um, so yeah, you're in Bellingham, <clears throat> yeah. So your first year, you know, first full year, fifty one games, twenty five points, hundred and seventy pims. Um, did you kind of know go know going in that uh, you know that you know that fighting was going to be a, a part of your game or um, did I, you know what I mean? or I, I'm assuming no one had to talk you into it. <laughs>
2: no, no. Definitely didn't need to be talking to it. I knew right from the start going in, it's an element that I could bring and that was going to give me an edge up on other guys that would maybe some, be somewhat the same caliber and didn't fight. And I just knew that at that, that time in that era, um, that was going to put me over the top. So it was um, something I liked to do. And um, so I definitely didn't need to be talked into doing that. More like talked.
0: Uh, my coaches would try to talk me out of it. <laughs> did uh, did you uh, train at all with any boxing or anything?
2: Yeah, I did later on. Not at, the, not at that time in junior. I was uh, pretty oblivious. Um, you know, I would be, um, I was definitely active as a younger kid fighting in, in uh, school or in the street. Um, mostly older kids that were trying to bully me and my friends. And uh, was always naturally there to step up and um, stand up for um, lesser people and, my, and people I, I cared about.
0: There you go, yeah. So the uh so seventeen you're rolling in. Actually I noticed one of your teammates was uh another uh minor league uh led uh Gary Goulash. Gary
2: Goulash, yeah, he sure was. Gooey called him and uh yeah, I was seventeen in Bellingham and uh he was
0: uh twenty year old. So yeah, yeah. I have
2: definitely a uh, good time with that, uh, good
0: guy. Yeah, and uh yeah, just kind of for the people out there listening some of the opponents you would have played against, um the time, kind of some tougher guys like a Phil Volk, Sean Pete, I believe Terry Ryan was in that league at that time. Was he not? Uh he he may
2: have been. i um, in Vernon or something. Probably an interior team. Yeah. I, I I can't confirm that or I don't recall that. But I, um, it's definitely a strong possibility. So we're, we're a coastal team, and you're only seeing the interior teams a couple times a year. And being a rookie, you don't really know who's who or what's what.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, and like they said, the a, name...
2: who else was? They had uh, Dale Purrington out there, Donnie yeah, uh, Hearn was a tough guy, John Morabito, um, the list goes on and on. Was at that yeah. time in the BC Hockey League, was, uh, you know quite a few ruffians kicking around.
0: Oh, yeah, Peter Zerba, Blaine McCauley, Brad Essex, Corey Laniac, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, so he you said, you go to uh, uh, the following year, you get uh, you start in Bellingham, you get traded to Penticton, Um Man, I've spent some time in, I love Penticton, um, and that's where you... Oh, yeah, me, uh, me too. And, uh oh, God, please. yeah, well, and like we were saying, one of the characters there was, uh that you were playing with in Penticton, uh, you know, other than Sean Pete, was all, Paul Frone was there? Yep,
2: Ferocious Frone, you bet he was there, yeah. Yeah. But he is a character, good friend of mine, and uh, he's a very, very tough dude.
0: Yes, he is. Yeah, very unassuming. Yeah. So I said it, he doesn't uh-huh. really he doesn't look the part, but when that guy threw down, we got ugly quick.
2: Yeah, you know I think he caught a lot of guys off guard like that. A lot of guys underestimated, and you know that's one of the uh, a guy like that or an example like that. That's where I learned that um, not to judge a book by its cover. Yeah, you, you have your stereotypical looking how a tough guy's supposed to look and. I met more guys than just Ferocious Frowne that, that were like that. Um, John Murphy, to go back to uh, Elmira, a lot of guys that didn't look very unassuming and could really uh, fly at it. So that's a lesson I learned in life: is uh, don't judge a guy a book by its cover.
0: No, absolutely. And uh, and then uh, another team, uh, and then you finished out your career with the uh, the Royal City Outlaws. I actually played on a, a couple teams that uh, you know no longer exist, but. Uh, um, i was noticed uh one of the uh in your final year though 38 games 36 points 105 pims i mean you know it was, something was going on every time you stepped on the ice at that point were you uh fairly confident in your in your fighting abilities
2: oh for sure
0: I, I as an
2: overager as a 20 year old i was uh, you know it was hard to find a fight really back then in in junior hockey and i was uh, fully confident and strong boy and and uh you know, look at, looking at any opportunity to throw down.
0: Did at this point, did you um, right like the nineteen or anything? When you, were, as you played a couple of years in the BC league, did you give any thoughts or go back to any any Western Hockey League camps, or did you just stay to BC?
2: No, you know, like we talked about it, I was with Medicine Hat to start uh, my eighteen year old year, and yeah, I actually had a I had kind of a bad experience there with um, just the way. I was treated by management and kind of the first time in my life, I was actually told that, that you need to be fighting. You need to be doing that. I never need to be told that. yeah. And it was just, just kind of a turnoff for me. Um, obviously uh, it's not pro hockey yet. And it was be only a matter of time. It was a little bit uncomfortable first coming into medicine hat. So, you know, give a guy a couple skates and, and uh, yeah. but, um, the GM, unfortunately at that time was uh, um, not something I really enjoyed the experience with. And, you know, I should have, I should have stuck it out knowing what I know now and stayed there. But um, to me, like I said, I wasn't familiar that familiar with the Western Hockey League and was more familiar with growing up with the BC Hockey League. And just, you know, I I wish things were different. I should have stuck it out, but I just ended up coming back closer to home.
0: Well, and at this point, I mean, oh, and the BC League, great league. And, uh, I mean you know, countless, well, yourself went on and play pro, I mean, countless guys have, but at that point, um, so you're 20, you play in Royal City, it's all done, um, did you have any thoughts of going pro, or was it, you just kind of figure this is it, or did, was did you have your sights set on, on turning pro? You know, um, in my 20-year-old
2: year there in, uh, Royal City or New Westminster, um, uh, at that time, I received a suspension for a little bit of a on-ice, off-ice incident in Victoria that um, was, got pretty ugly, and uh, the media got a hold of it. You can still find that today on YouTube, not that I agree with the entire story. but um, So I received a 22-game suspension at that time, which was the longest in Canadian amateur hockey. And What I had was a great coach in Bellingham, a guy I'm still super tight with today, and Dennis Paisiak. And uh, who actually is one of the first coaches that always urged me not to fight so much. And, um, you know, we butted heads over that many times. And uh, great guy regardless. But um, he tried to send me down to Mobile, Alabama and ECHL there after the suspension. And I was set to go down there as a 20-year-old until we found out that the East Coast League was going to honor the Canadian amateur suspension. So that was the first time I thought about pro or minor league. And hadn't put much thought into it, but that obviously got the wheels turning for after my suspension was over, and uh, as a 21 year old, the next season.
0: Okay, well, yes. Okay, you brought it up because I was why <laughs> that's I saw the clip, and uh, I think. Uh, it, you got kicked. Well, I'll let you explain the story and yeah. what happened so you can kind of set the record straight because people will be watching this clip on the internet and you get the newsfeed story of it. Let's get from the horse's yeah. mouth here. What happened?
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, like, so I have a lot of family from Victoria. So I had a huge crowd there, like, of my own family that night. And it was actually a big, uh, big crowd. It must have been, it was about 4,500 people or 5,000 people there at the old Victoria Memorial Arena or whatever it was called. And uh, you know, I started the game. Um, I went, went to hit a guy in open ice, and he turned turned around on me. And so, I did hit him from behind. But there was he wasn't hurt or anything. It was open ice. There was no boards involved. And um, you know, you get pretty disappointed. The ref throws you out first shift, and um, you know, I was pretty po'd, right? And I think uh, I had some words with the ref where he threw out an extra whatever it was, tenor game misconduct. But I was already kicked out. And oh, you know, the story goes that. Um, i came off the bench through the gate and after you come through the player's gate there's a double door about i don't know 15 20 feet down towards the dressing rooms and obviously coming through there i was quite pissed and um there's a little glass window but you can't really see through it um i just took a punch at that i remember it was my left hand and the the door flung open and i carried on to the dressing room and um, was in there for a bit and cooled down, and then my general manager came down, and he, he, that's when he told me that, um, there was an usher on the other side that was getting ready to open the door for me when I hit it, and uh, ended up squishing his fingers. Um, I had no idea that, that that had happened. When my GM told me that, I, you know, I came out and I wanted to find the guy to apologize because it was unintentional. I never even knew he was there. And uh, there was quite a gathering of security guards and, and people there. And uh, I remember one taller um, security guard, he saw me, and he started going nuts trying to get at me. And I still was bewildered as to what was going on. And apparently this guy wanted to get at me for what had happened to his um, buddy's fingers and unintentional. I felt bad. So that was that. GM told me to go the other way. I went up to the stands. I found some of my friends and family and, and watched the game and, um, it was the third period late in the game and I don't know what happened, but all hell broke loose on the ice and it turned into a full on, uh, line brawl. Um, so things were getting pretty ugly. We had all our parent group from new West that was, um, down on the glass watching the game and they started getting into it with the fans. And at first I wasn't really going to go down there. And then I, I saw it was getting pretty ugly. I thought it would be a good idea to head down there to see if they needed any help or anything. And, uh, my grandfather was at the game, and he ended up intercepting me and, and not letting me go into that um, me- melee that was starting to happen between the parents and the rest of the Victoria fans. And uh, my grandfather was kind of pushing me, getting me away from it, and I caught i caught my eye, caught that security guard that was going nuts earlier, and I could see him making a beeline for me, and I knew what was coming. Um, unfortunately... Um, when he got to me, my grandfather was between us and the guy grabbed my grandpa and threw, threw him and my grandfather fell into a railing and ended up fracturing some ribs Ugh. and was down hurt and I, I just lost my shit like and I w- this went to court and all that stuff and the, the camera from the, that was filming the game pans into the stands and you know it doesn't have of course it doesn't have the guy chucking my grandpa down. it just has me stroking starting to stroke the guy. so didn't look good for, on video. Uh, I remember it was a, it was really wild. He we ended up fighting and we he, we fell down on some stairs and I landed on him and I rode him down these stairs and there was no one at the bottom, just me and him. It was in the bowels of the arena and you know I gave him a couple more shots and someone finally came and grabbed me. When I turned around, I could not believe it, but it was my good friend, my coach, Dennis Paiziac, had somehow saw it from the bench, come down into the under the bleachers into the stands and pulled me off this guy and i was just in shock like i knew i was going to be in trouble and take some heat from the coach little did i know what was about to happen so got a little crazier than that um anyways after that the game all ended in that i was staying the night in victoria with some friends and so i left off with them i ended up breaking my left hand punching the door so that added insult to injury but um my coach my coach, buddy Dennis always tells me that uh, it was something out of a slap shot. The uh, Victoria police came right onto the bus and they were looking for me and he was trying to explain to them I wasn't there and I guess they were having a hard time believing him. Um, I wasn't on the bus. They um, ended up hearing it on, I forget what, it was on the TV station and the radio stations and um, they had issued a warrant for my arrest and I remember talking to my mom and she was just in tears and you know, it's just something that turned ugly but um you know i did it was never in, intended and i got a lawyer obviously turned myself in and, and made good on um on making peace with it all but um i believe that security already jumped the gun i believe he had it coming and you know no one's going to touch my grandpa ever i do that same thing uh 10 out of 10 times again
0: no absolutely yeah well so that uh well there you go that uh that's, that definitely sort of uh puts the uh Punctuation on your junior career, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, went out with a bang. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so the following year you turn pro, and you go down to Texas in the Western yeah. Professional Hockey League. How did you end up with the Central Texas Stampede?
2: Yeah. So uh, again, my coach Dennis Pieczek used to coach in Chilliwack with Harvey Spiel and um, um oh, jeez, I'm having Mel 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 Liss I think was the GM or part owner of. Vernon and then Chilliwack, and I never played for Mel, but I got along really well with him. And Mel ended up setting up this tryout for me. And all I knew was Bob Bourne, the ex-New York Islanders Stanley Cup champion, was the coach. Yep. And I knew I knew it was a six-team league. And someone asked me, "Where are you going to try out?" And I said, uh, "Well, Texas." Well, where in Texas? I said, "I I, I don't really know where I'm going."
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: what? Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> like you said, no idea which. Go ahead, Darren. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, so it was like a brand-new league, six teams. Yeah. New Mexico, Austin, El Paso. So where exactly is Like Central Texas. What, what, what exactly? What city yeah, is that?
2: A, central Texas is Temple Belt and Colleen. I think it's about an hour and a half. I want to say it's either north of Austin, about an hour or something. So right there, that's what it's called, Central Texas, where right there, smack in the middle, really.
0: Well, there you and,
2: go. Um, Waco and Amarillo. Is, yeah, Waco Amarillo, Rattlers. Um, so it was old or started, I believe, by um, the guys from B.C. that owned the Boston Pizza franchises. Okay. So I remember, uh, so current Calgary Flames DM Brad Treleving was, um, I believe, the president of the league. So I've known Tree for a long time, and obviously <laughs> through the years, not only through him being the president, but he's also handling a discipline, so I've had many meetings with uh, Tree. And a great guy, and um, it was a good time um, starting out in the Western Pro League. So funny again, I had no idea what team I was going to. I just knew Bob Bourne was the head coach there.
0: Well, and I mean, you guys had a good team. Unfortunately, you lost the final to El Paso that year. But uh, you, uh, quite the quite the collection of characters on that team. Um, and I mean, and certainly, yeah. and I mean, this league um, was certainly it was almost. Um, almost like a a, kind of a precursor to the Quebec league almost in the terms of like every team just had toughness. And I mean, and you know, and, and you guys, like I said, yourself, Jason Taylor, Herb Ragland, Jason Clark, Zerba, Jacques Mayotte. I mean, uh, what, what were your, what were your thoughts of the boys And uh, did you enjoy your time in central Texas?
2: Yeah, for sure. I did. It was, uh, there was it was just a lineup of uh thugs really and uh you know it is really like you can equate it to a more modern day slap shot yep. basically is, is what what that how that league was working and um it, it was an awesome time it was uh, great to be a rookie then and uh great experience and you know it was, it was an awesome start to a to a pretty long pro career
0: no absolutely and um uh... How did uh, so? You here's the the twenty one year old from BC, and here you are down in Texas, and and I mean I, I've talked to a, a couple guys that they played in Austin and stuff, and you're playing in rodeo barns and uh, and uh, but they said the fans were all uh, r- kind of really took to it. Um, how how did you? Uh, I ma- I imagine they loved you. Do uh, You got any uh, fa- interesting fan interaction stories in Texas?
2: Yeah, I don't know about. Like, they're they all super supportive, and the barns are, like they said, they're actual barns, but, like, to, to give you a sort of insight into it, I can still remember um, to this day, like, playing Sunday afternoons in Austin, Texas, in an expo arena that the dressing rooms were outside, and, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'd come in, and it'd be Sunday afternoon, and I can remember them playing, like, Bush and Glycerine, and there'd be 8,000 people packed in the stands, and the atmosphere was electric, and it was, it was just awesome. I mean... It was a really incredible experience for me, especially coming from the DC Hockey League. And I think, you know, all the, all the teams were pretty well supported at that time, especially early on. Yep. And, you know, it was a long time ago. So, the, you know, in 96, 97, and to remember any uh, any particular interaction with the fans, it's um, I'm not going to be able to do that. But I, I know we did a ton of. Um, um, promos like going to schools and and trying to educate the people on the game of hockey and going um, doing all sorts of stuff like that. And it, was, it was it was awesome. I think the the people from Texas were, were super friendly and took us in. And um, it, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything.
0: No, yeah, absolutely. That's sort of what I was kind of getting at. This is all sort of new to them, and here's a bunch of Canadian boys coming down and uh, and you know playing this. Uh, playing this game here in the rodeo barn, but uh, and like I said, I think it's uh, the rougher the better, for sure. Um, one of the guys, like I said, one of the guys you played with was um, was Mayotte, Jacques Mayotte, yeah. who was legendary enforcer, and I mean, played in the 80s, and I mean, that dude could could throw down for sure. Do you have any any memories of Jacques? Did you get along with him, and uh, did he help you out yeah, at all?
2: Yeah, yeah I've got some memories I think uh, people will appreciate, so jock was i think i was 21 jock was about 36 and you know he he had a cup of coffee in the show in the american league and this guy was just a minor league fighting machine right and um definitely a different dude um but for some reason yeah we took to each other and um i don't want to i guess i'll say jock was a little bit immature for his age so it felt like i was just hanging out with another 21 year old or 20 year old um we played a lot of video games and um I'll tell you one story is pretty funny is uh, we were on the road I think we just came from amarillo or we we're in New Mexico going to New Mexico anyways we we're in the hotel room and we we're playing um, um, uh, NHL hockey and I can't remember I think it was Sega at the time but um, you got um, Daniel Berth-Yom, the bandit so very small goalie and we got Scott Galt, another very small goalie then we got Jock and myself and what well, we do is we two guys play and the winner stays on loser comes off and we just finished playing the game and um the, a, a real game and we're back at the hotel and i still remember having my suit on and jock and um the bandit and uh scotty galt they were all already changed into their leisure wear and sitting around the tv and i got in and they said oh winger you're up next right and uh so Jacques lost and I'm like, hey, you're off, man, you're out, and I'm a rookie, right? And he's a he's a longtime bet, and uh, he's like, no, I'm staying on. I'm like, no, man, get off, I'm on. And uh, uh, he's sitting down, I'm standing up by the door, and I just remember t- calling him and, hey, old man, you're off, get off. And when I said, old man, the guy, I could see it, he jumped up, and he's just in shorts, right, no shirt. And I'm like, uh-oh, I, I, I think I stepped over the line here. But I had just enough time to, I didn't have a tie on anymore, but I had just enough time to whip off my, um, my, my, um, suit top by that time he was at me and we were flying at it and right in the hotel room. And, um, you know, I was a little bit better street fighter and he was definitely a bit better hockey fighter. And, uh, the poor little goalies tried to break it up. And <laughs> I remember I had shocked down and I was giving it to him. I think he bit me. Um, and, the uh, goalies couldn't break it up. So they ran it, And another tough guy, Jason Clark, who's pretty legendary himself happened yep. to be in the hallway and they, they grabbed Clarky and, Clarky came in and had to pull us apart, and uh, you know we went. I think I gave Jacques a pretty good black eye, and went back to my room. And we waited for the call from Bob Bourne. Bob calls me and is, asks me what happened, and I explained what I just said to you. And Bob said, "Oh, well, I you know I don't see any problem with that. He should have got off the video game." <laughs> <laughs> So what happened though, and I knew this was coming. Is uh, sure enough, we hit the ice uh, the next next day for pregame, I think. And um, sure enough, Jacques wants to go on the ice, so we we go at it again. And that time now, Jacques gets the upper hand on me and on the ice. And you know, this wasn't really a big deal to me back then. We were fighting at the bar, fighting in the street, or fighting on the ice. It's just another day and. You know we we were still friends after that and it was uh, a pretty entertaining time
0: well like you said only only hockey players right could uh, could fight like that and then still hang out after and uh, you know water under the bridge but um, yeah totally yeah um, well the following year you uh, you actually uh, I'm sure from with Bourne, you actually start in the IHL with the Utah Grizzlies yeah and uh, yeah I noticed, and uh, you had the one fight against uh, big Louis DeBrusque. How did that, do you remember that fight? Oh, of
2: course. I don't think I'll ever forget that one. How'd it go? So, yeah, it was, uh, you know, Louis was, uh, at that time, he was sort of off and on as the NHL heavyweight
0: reigning champ.
2: And um, he was just sent down, I think he was with Tampa Bay that that year. And for some reason, I guess he got sent down to uh, San Antonio. Dragons, I think they were called at the time. So I got called up to um the utah grizzlies from central texas where bob had bob was now with butch goring coaching in uh, utah and coached the previous year obviously in central texas so um i got the call up and they and they i can't remember but they had a lineup just stacked with heavyweights okay you probably know or pick out their names quicker than i but they had i think they had i would like to say half a dozen guys but you know, obviously, Louis, his first game down in the IHL, sent down from the NHL. My first game called up to play in AAA in the IHL, so it's, it's a really no-brainer. Um, what was going to go down? Um, you know, it was later in the game. I can't even remember the score, but um, finally, I think I remember Louis asking me, came up behind me, and uh, gave me a little shove, and I, it was on. We squared off. Um, I I think we had the upper hand, but I tell you what, I think I caught him off guard, and uh, I remember going pretty good, probably closer to a minute, and finished standing up, and um, you know, it was a great memory for me, and great start. Um, Those are the guys that you want to fight every time you get a chance. Um, You know, I respect them, but at the same time, that's an opportunity you don't want to let slide by.
0: Yeah, well, and and I was going to ask you, actually, while we're talking about, I mean, and Louie's so freaking big. And I mean, I know they, from talking to people, I know it, at the time with the Oilers and training, I mean, probably the strongest guy on the team and could bench us 8 million pounds and all that stuff and, you know, strong as an ox. Um, when you're fighting a guy like that, do you prefer, like when you were fighting, do you prefer fighting kind of bigger guys or kind of guys your size? Like, you know, no, kind of six def- feet or... Def-
2: definitely liked, um, I liked him a bit bigger. Yeah, you know, I, I, six two to six foot four, six five. But I'll tell you what, when they start clearing six six, six seven, <laughs> yeah. like that starts that starts to become a problem for someone of uh, my height. So yeah, um, I but uh, that you know six three, six four range was uh, that's my wheelhouse. Um, I that's the guys I like were my favorite, my preferred.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I was just uh, I was just thinking. Well, like I said, some of the pictures I had sent you earlier and. One of them was, you know, with Patrick Cote, and I mean, I mean, and him and, like, Louis DeBrusque, and I mean, guys like that. You know, they're 6'3", 6'4", but, I mean, you know, they're, like, the size of, like, sheds, like a Yugo. Yeah. You know, I mean, how do you hold, that's like riding a bull when you're grabbing a guy, like, that big. Um, is your, What was your, like, yeah, j- just kind of, you just wanted to pull in and get in tight and fight from underneath? Uh,
2: you, you- you know, from that fight with Louie, that's the first time that I kind of felt like I was, wasn't was the stronger guy in a, in a fight. Yep. Um, that actually was a catalyst for me for the rest of my career that um, I was decided right then and there I was going to work towards never being um, out-muscled again. And I was huge into working out yep. and real big into it. And... Um, you know, strength was, it turned, turned into be my best, greatest asset. Um, and you know, I was going about six foot, um, you know, from starting about 215 as a 21 year old to ending up at about, uh, 240, 242 pounds in, uh, my last years in the LNAH. So, and, uh, I was always under 10% body fat. So, it was a lot and and later in my career I did take up a lot of different martial arts and training that way um, yeah we'll get into it but I bounced that's what I was in a bouncer in the offseason in downtown Vancouver Bar I'm very active in the street street writing scene so to speak um, so I definitely wanted to, after Louie that um, that uh, fired me up to get in the best shape I could possibly be and be the strongest player and fighter I could be
0: yeah and I mean you know I you could uh, you know both hands and uh and obviously, it was obviously. As you were just mentioning, you you worked on it. Um, in terms of, uh, I mean, we'll go. I may as well ask you now. But in terms of like jerseys or anything, I know Alec and the boys out there always like me to ask this question. Did you ever do anything yeah. with your jersey? Did you kind of like to get the the whole the tarps off, or did you like to be tied down? Did you do anything with sleeves? Uh, did you do any jersey what do you, alterations?
2: Funny you ask. Of course i did jersey alterations I, uh, um, I know <laughs> i'm looking at my i have a. I always wore a goalie cut jersey yep. um early i'm uh, right now right in my possession right here i have my last year um junior A jersey from new Westminster, minister it um the right arm is split all the way down the seam to the armpit and velcro is put in there right <laughs> so we have the velcro sleeve there in junior um i'm looking at uh, my jersey from new mexico and it's about got about a I don't know, a six to eight inch insert in it. The sleeves are like goalie, bigger than goalie sleeves in there. So, um, you know, I'm not, I definitely jerseyed off a lot in my career, but there were certain times when I do it. Like, I'll give you one instance is, um, you know, the St. Patrick's Day Brawl. I've already had two fights. The third fight's going to, you're going to be tossed out. I could see Steve Parsons trying to jimmy his jersey off. There's nothing worse as a hockey fighter than you're the guy stuck with your jersey on and the other guy's peeled down to nothing. So you gotta know when the time and place is to get rid of that tie down. Um, another guy that I hated fighting just because of his style was Sean McMurrow because the guy's, oh, all he's doing is trying to pull your jersey over your head when you're trying to throw punches. So when you had enough of this guy, you know, and he's up to the same old wrestling bullshit, that's when, uh, you know, I'd go out there and make sure that all the shoulder pads and everything, straps were undone and the, the tie down was off and just enough of this, uh, jersey and guys on our team. So there's a time and place where it. it wasn't my first plan all the time, a lot of time, but I did have the extra big sleeves. Um, another one I remember, another story, I'm in, uh, I, think, I don't know if it's playoffs, but we're in El Paso, Texas, and I'm with the New Mexico Scorpions. And I'm going on on the ice, and um, some Western Hockey, Western Professional Hockey League officials stop me, and they take my jersey made me give up my jersey because it had an insert in it. And I could go back upstairs. He had to go upstairs to the dressing room. I can't remember who the equipment manager is at the time, but he lo- I look at him and he looks at me he's like, where's your jersey? I'm like, yeah, some dude just took it down there. They're like, do you have another one? He's like, who took your jersey? And I'm like, I don't know, two guys in Western Professional Hockey League uh, Blazers, they just took my jersey. So that that was a good time. Um, <laughs> another, another story is I uh, played another tough guy, uh, Sean Legault. Lego uh, and Elmira, and uh, both him and I were coming out in Elmira. I can't remember if we were playing Adirondack, which was just another another blood fest every time we played Adirondack. But we'll we'll get there. um, (laughs) Yeah, we'll get there, and same thing. Sean and I, Lego and I are heading to the ice, and now we're in the United Hockey League, and same thing again. These UHL officials come and take our jerseys for having the inserts in them. So they either, you get a different jersey or you don't play. So obviously we went that night with different jerseys. Did you get the jerseys back, though? Yeah, yeah, I think they, we got them back. But, um, and then after that, I figured it out, right? If you just order a goal, goalie-cut jersey, there's nothing altered on the seams and all that, and they, they stopped taking away my jersey, so I just always had a goalie, um, goalie-cut goalie jersey in, right? And that's just so you have movement in your arms. Yep. Um, I don't know if you know Pat Cote's story, but he likes to grab onto his one sleeve and dislodge his arm out of his jersey. Oh, yes. Um. So, you know, and Rob Ray, too, and I, I don't like Rob Ray's style, like how he did that all the time. That was his initial move. But if other guys are doing it, you got to be able, you got to be prepared to do the same thing. Otherwise, you're going to be at a disadvantage and like that. And, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of uh, Pat Cote, how his first move is to slip his arm out. I believe, you know, if the fight gets someone's tie in the upper, or, uh, you know, um, seatbelt, yeah, then, yeah let's go, let's get that, let's get the arms out, but those guys are those first moves, so a guy
0: like Pat Cote at that size and his
2: strength and his Oof. experience, you got real. Pay, you got to pay real attention to them when he's trying to slip those arms out and when they do come out.
0: Oh, he did some damage, I've seen the videos, I got the videos, yeah, he did some damage to people, I mean, you know, I mean he ended Varhog's season there, the one year in the preseason. Yeah, it was the yeah, same thing. I mean, and then the same thing, right? The fight was going even. Actually Varhog was probably kinda probably was up yeah. on points a little bit while Pat pulled that sleep that arm out and uh two punches night, later Varhog's looking at the lights and his knee's gone, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. that's that that's one of the toughest guys I played with for, for my Varhog. Yep. Like, yep.
2: yep. Big boy tough guy called him the giant.
0: Yep. Oh, so, yeah. Good
2: story, about, good story about him. You know, I have all the players I have their own little rituals before you start the game. And with, with uh, Hogger, the Giant, um, he would just stand in the hallway and put his hand up in the air. And I'd have to run, take three or four strides running and jump just to high-five him. So that was one of uh, that was one of my rituals when Hogger was in the lineup and I was in the lineup, I remember doing. So the Giant was a good guy. Actually, we made a mine. Great, great fighter.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Especially later, like when he got older, and especially when he got to the Quebec older. League, he uh, yeah. he really learned to use his size. It looked like, yeah. and uh, yeah, he uh, he did damage to dudes. Yeah, for sure. So
2: that, that I told you earlier that's you know once they're getting up to six 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 seven, yep. Um, I start to run into problems with that, and that's a lot of um, on ice training with with Hager, um, and just I've had him where so. I learned to throw both hands because when you're at six feet and you're fighting these tall guys, if they, they tie up one of your hands, the only thing you can do is you have to step in with the other hand. Otherwise, you're going to be strung out. And um, it makes it virtually impossible for a guy at six foot four is not really going to be able to um, hold me out when I can step in with both hands. But from training with hog I remember out there on the ice and things start to go kind of hazy and black out. And he, the guy... Would be able to grab my jersey and twist it up and start to choke you, yeah. And you couldn't you couldn't step in with either hand because he would just gl- he would just glide backwards, and you're like, wow, this this is a scary guy at that size. <laughs> later on in his career, once he filled out and um, knew what he was doing, and yep, uh, great great guy and loved playing with him.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting you talk about that. Um, I had Mike McWilliam on the show, and uh, yeah tough dude right there, and he talked right. about uh, fighting Serge Roberge back in the day, yep. and he said he got into a fight with Serge, and Serge tied him up so good that when the fight was over, he had to go to the dressing room and literally get cut out of his jersey, that's how tied <laughs> up he was, Yeah, so he said it was just, right. he was, I don't know how he did it, he goes, but he goes, the, some guys are just like, guys like Roberge are just like, he said, just like artists, technicians you know it's just like an art form to them how huh? they they can tie you up and cross grip and he goes yeah. by, by the time you're done fighting him you think the guy's got three arms he's hit you so many ways right
2: yeah you know it's uh it's real similar to like some like judo yes with the di- different grips and and all that and um you know i have a good friend here on the coast at the penn street judo con he's also the coach of my son my oldest son jacob and we we discuss it and talk about judo and compared to hockey fighting all the time and and it's 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 crazy how similar it gets so yeah it's really a martial art in itself if you're if you're doing some of those guys like you said Sergio Berge the first guy I met like that or learned from like that is Jacques Mayotte
0: I was gonna say Mayotte yeah yeah Yeah, well him and and Serge would have been playing together back in the day in in Halifax yeah
2: So I actually learned my cross-grip, and and, um, Jacques was a a natural lefty. Yep. He'd always square up orthodox, and then he would cross-grip with his right hand over to the other guys, the right-handed fighter, the orthodox fighter's bicep on his right hand, jar that arm down, and have his left free, right? Yep. So it's something that I went with, and I actually, it was like clockwork for me later on in my career, so I'm fighting orthodox, I reach over. I go grab my right hand to their right bicep, pull that down. I, I start throwing that left hand, and what I'm actually waiting for is when I feel their left hand hit me, I re-tie up their right hand, and I have a their left hand, which should be their bad hand, against my stronger right hand, and it's toe-to-toe from there. And, um, that, and It's all fun and games until you don't know the guy's a southpaw, and you reach over and <laughs> leave his left hand free. And then you'd eat a couple, and you're like, yeah, I messed that
0: one up. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah well them damn lefties eh? they yeah, they got the yeah. advantage right from the word go um, yeah. were you a video guy like did you watch a lot of video or was it well I mean as much as it, it was, was hard, at it the was, time
2: yeah it was hard back then but yeah. definitely I would go I remember going to the office and getting game tape and when, when I could but it was so far and, and it, few and in between like uh, you know especially when you're on the road there's no access to any of the tapes yeah. right yeah, no, you when you're at home then. you, you, you <laughs> can do it but um I did as much as I could and you know, for a bit there in the Western Pro League and then after that, you know, I just not in the American League or the United League or the Quebec League. There was the Quebec League was okay. I think you could catch some of them on um on YouTube at that time. Yeah. So a yeah. bit a bit easier to research then. So I think I did more the last couple of years. But yeah. up to then it was very it wasn't really accessible that much.
0: No. Did you find when did you start I know everybody I've talked to has said the same thing. When you first start out um, everything's sort of a blur and it's just like, ah, you know, spaz fighting or whatever. And, um, yeah, when yeah. did everything start to slow down for you and you started to think in the middle of a fight, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Um, when did you start kind of, when did that happen for you?
2: Yeah, I, I think more so probably about 23, about my third year in. Yeah. Yeah, you start to, you got to really, that's one of the main things is right, is staying calm. Yep. Um, like, I'll always say this, um, people think I'm crazy, but one of the calmest, most surreal times I can remember, for instance, I remember in Fort Wayne, huge crowds there, right? And I can't remember who I was squaring off with, but it was so peaceful, I couldn't hear anything at all, it was all quiet and calm, and we were pretty far apart, almost blue line to blue line, and slowly coming in, and, and then boom, the, the fury hits, and... and then when the fight's done, that's, you can actually hear the crowd again, and it's roaring, and you're like, "Wow, where did that come from, man?" It was just so quiet in here. So it was, I guess calm before the
0: storm, really. You kind of get that tunnel vision on a guy, and yeah. Um, were you? A, did you like the? Were you like a square off guy, or did you kind of want to get in real quick?
2: Uh, I think early on, more in, in real quick, first couple of years, and then you start to realize it's um, entertainment, entertaining the fans. Yep, and. Um, you know, especially you put on a show. So I got into, I was big into maybe the first year or two, you want to sort of get in there tight, not take too long in the square off. Um, then, you know, you learn even more so once you get to the American League or even the Quebec League, even more so, you want to take your time and, you know, get the fan, let the fans think about it for a bit and, and, and that sort of thing. So I, I think it's something that evolves from, the beginning of your career to the end when you're, you know, you're a lot better, obviously,
0: at the end. Yeah, actually, I'm trying to think who I was talking to. Was it Joey Tittering? Somebody I was talking to on here. Um, Yeah. Like, when you were squaring off, and now, no, it was Dean Mayrad. That's who I was talking to about it. Oh, yeah. And he was talking about when you close, the grip is, he always, the initial grab, he said, is so important. But he said other times, other guys like to fight off, kind of, uh, counterpunch sort of were you did you want to go at him, or did you want them to come at you how did you no because
2: uh, because of um, I was a lot shorter like yeah, I know Dean pretty good I fought Dean a few times yep hung out with him and a buddy of mine and a guy like that that's so big like I'm not making the first move I would hold my ground um, you can probably see it a bit in, um, uh, if you watch the um, Patrick Cote fight I'm not there's no way I'm skating into that guy
1: yeah.
2: Right. These guys are six foot four, and another like I remember Sean was squaring off with him, and he liked to really draw it out. But I'm in St. Hyacinth, and he, you know, he's like, "Come on, let's go." I'm like, "Buddy, you're six foot four, and this is your barn. Like, fuck, I'm standing right here. Whenever you're ready to come in, like, let's go." So I'm holding. I'm holding my ground. Yeah. Not moving backwards. I'm not moving forwards. When you're six foot four, I'll be waiting for you.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, I think that's, um, you know, that got to be my thing, and it's uh, so just to hold that ground and wait. You want to definitely be turned to the side. I had a few different tactics. Just like you said, these guys, um, the grip's real big at the start, the first grabbing, so initially I'm trying to square up so my shoulders are square to you, and I think it's closer to coming and actually grab time. I'm trying to move with my right arm to the, so I'm sideways, so I'm a lot skinnier. And then sort of trying to dip or move one way, right when he's trying to grab. So we don't want him grabbing hold of our right hand or our right shoulder to control our body, if possible. Not always possible, right? But
0: yeah, yeah. And I remember, um, yeah, and like well, Joey Tedarenko was talking about in terms of what he would want, he just watched their elbow and where it was pointed, yeah. and where that's where the sh- yeah. that's where it was coming from. Right, the punch was coming yeah. from. So you just kind of roll with it, or you know, that's in terms of you know where he was going to go with his head and that type of thing. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of guys are going to do a lot of different things.
2: And you know what I can even remember? Yeah, I'm trying to get control somewhere in your bicep to your shoulder. Bicep's a little bit lower than your shoulder if possible, especially on these big guys. But I remember thinking you have a good grab, and you you don't even see the punch come over, and then you you just feel it, and then you you feel the cold and the the, um, blood coming down, and you're like, yeah, well, missed that one. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah well, it really is uh you know and you know it's uh it's an art really uh science to it for sure it's not just uh i mean you know anybody can grab in the middle of the jersey and swing i mean which sometimes obviously yeah. is you know highlight and let's get at it but uh yeah like you said that's when you more,
2: that's guys like uh you know that wasn't my thing i want to use my strength i want to use my ability to switch hands and get guys off balance um, you're looking at a guy like uh John a great friend of mine, but that guy, like he's yep. a highlight reel, like grab in the middle, punch in your face contest. Yep. I'm all for getting punched in the face, but I'd rather punch the other guy a little bit more in the face. <laughs> yeah. And John, guys like John or Steve Bosse, you know, they they're willing to take five or six to give one. So yep. not my style not my style, but uh, highly yep. entertaining. That's that's why those guys are are probably you know, some of the greatest um, hockey fighters ever, entertainment value wise anyways.
0: Yeah, wow, well, video fighters, right? That's uh, a yeah you know, Kenny yeah. Tasker and guys like that. It's just all yeah all go, right? Well so we uh yeah. so you're in Utah and then did you go to Bakersfield after this? Yeah I did go to Bakersfield. What was that? Yeah. I had a rough second year. Yeah, it so was, was 97, 97, 98. Me. you start in Utah, then, yeah, and wow. then Bakersfield, then Central Texas and I think you finish in New Mexico, correct?
2: Yeah, that's right. So what happened there? Uh, so in those minor pro leagues they need to dress three rookies a night. Um, so really when you're a rookie you're sort of compete like you're not competing with the rest of the team to for, to for as in terms of being in the lineup or whatnot. They have to have three dressed a night. So as soon as you become a sophomore, I think at your 35th game, you're no longer a rookie the following season. Then you're, it's open, you got to compete with the everyone else except for the rookies yep. for a spot in the lineup, and um, I was in Central Texas. Start. Um, they had a new coach there, Lee Norwood, uh, ex NHLer, and you know I remember watching him um, play when I grew up with the I think Detroit Red Wings. I think I know he played with for a number of other teams or whatever. Yep. But um, he, he's our coach, and this is the first time I'm like, oh, I don't really, I don't know if I like this guy. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So. I went to, uh, starting Central Texas, went to Utah, came back to Central Texas. I got in a fight in Fort Worth with, I can't remember the guy's name, really, like a mid-30-year-old guy, real, Brian Caruso, I think his name was, real heavy guy, like 270-pounder, and um, we're fighting in Fort Worth, and I got him in open ice, and you know, I'm still probably only 215 pounds, I'm just peppering this guy, and he brings me over to the boards, and pins me up against the boards, and I'm like, holy cow, this guy was heavy, and he switched hands on me, and he threw a punch, definitely not intentional at all, but I I know for a fact that my left hand doesn't tuck as good as my right hand, so your thumb's kind of sticking out a bit, and I took a punch right, thumb right in the eye, and it was one of the worst injuries I've ever had, severe concussion. Um, Anyways, I was out for a long time, and I remember, and my eye was bloodshot, it got pushed back and hit my optical nerve, and so the following days, um, getting doctors check up and that, they would be checking the, your eyes tracking on the light pen. And my one eye would move and the bloodshot injured, I would just stay straight. I couldn't see out of it. It was bloodshot. The muscles were damaged. It was pushed back, hit the optical nerve to the point where I was throwing up. Um, and anyway, so I'm out of the lineup and I get called into the office by Lee Norwood and this guy says, um, you know, and this guy rides a Harley. You think he's cool, played the show, and he he tells me, and he insinuates, insinuated that I don't have a concussion and that I'm faking. And I was like, "Holy fuck, Is this guy fucking kidding me!" On that, right then and there, I knew I'd never play for this guy again in my life. Like, fuck you, man. Like, I, my eye doesn't work. Like, I don't know if it's ever going to work again. Yeah. So he trades me to uh, Austin for Troy Binney, a guy that's set to retire. He's going home anyways. And he's a pretty good guy, old veteran, the minor league scoring guy. Trades me for Troy Binney, and of course. Um, Troy Binney doesn't report to Central Texas, so as soon as that happens, um, I revert back and become property of Central Texas. And So I was like, all right, I got traded, that's good. And then back to Central Texas. And I remember going to the office, and he's like, oh, you're back with us. And I remember saying, hey, buddy, I'll never fucking play for you. he like, <laughs> fuck off. Walked out of his office. Um, couldn't go anywhere else, but at that time he could still jump from the Western Pro to the West Coast Hockey League. So got a call for I called a guy up I knew, and um, my I had an agent at the time. I can't remember his name. Um he got me into San Diego, but I had a buddy in, and they had they were loaded. They had Chad Wagner. they had all sorts of tough guys in San Diego.
1: yeah,
2: and while well, everyone in every team in that league, I ended up going to Bakersfield with my buddy Jane Neal, that I played with in Central Texas the year before. Had come stay with me and his girlfriend at the time that I knew pretty well someone stayed with them and they were loaded too we had Jody Murphy uh, Yannick uh, Renault and um, oh just a ton of tough guys in that league too yep so anyways ended up in in the uh, in um, Bakersfield for a bit Keith Retsky was the coach there and definitely the guy, um, and and I'm friends with the Gretzky's, I I was uh, line mates and good friends with uh, Brent Gretzky, I know Walter, Um, you know, so at that time I didn't know them, but I do now. Um, So I didn't like playing for Keith Gretzky either, and I ended up (laughs) playing about 10 or 11 games, and I just said, I think I'm done, and I I headed home. Um, Got home and was working construction or something, I'm like, well, this is pissing rain and freezing here, so I'm like, well, this is no fun, but now I can't play hockey anywhere because I think there was an agreement between the Western Pro and the ECHL and the West Coast League. Um, I could have gone to the West Coast. I did. Now I can't go anywhere. So although Lee Norwood was not happy with how I told him off, I'm still friends with Jason Taylor, the player assistant coach. And so I called JT up, and I, he said, okay, Winger, I'll try to get you moved or whatever sat out for about a month, and he ended up getting me traded to um, New Mexico. Thanks for a defensemanship put, I think his name was, hard to remember. So anyways, I got traded to um, New Mexico, who had a great team, really good veteran squad. That was uh, um, Gary Unger, Buck Old Buck Unger. So yep, yep. Ironman was the coach there, and it was a great time. I went back down to New Mexico, and um, unfortunately, we hit a hiccup in the playoffs. Otherwise, it was definitely a championship-caliber team, and um, had that uh, Derek, uh, Derek Crawford, the late Derek Crawford, rest in peace, Crow. Um, so we had some toughness down there too, and it was a good, great experience to go play in Albuquerque.
0: Yeah, well, so we're not, you're not done in the Western Pro League yet, far from it. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, The next three years, uh, you, you hit your, uh, Corpus Christi with the Ice Rays, and, uh, yeah. you know, and you put up some great, you're actually almost, you know, you, uh, Double digits in goal 12, 13, 19 goals. Of course, you're putting up your PIMS. Um, at this time, the uh, the Western Pro... I mean, you've been there from the start at this point. Yeah. And uh, now the league's really growing. Um, did you think... Um, do you think they grew it too fast? Is that what happened? or uh, What do you yeah. think happened? Like Well... Nothing really
2: happened. It just amalgamated with the Central Hockey League, which made it stronger. They fell under one banner. So I think when they did that, it got rid of the weaker teams and and same with the Central League's weaker teams and amalgamated to make a better Central Hockey League, really. So nothing really bad happened. They just I think they sort of grew so much and became a good product that they just got rid of the teams that weren't um, doing that great attendance-wise in that. And... I ended up playing back in the Central League for Corpus Christi, also, and it was a great year and a really good league. So, I mean, I love Corpus Christi. I, think I played down there for four years. Yep. Met some of the best people in my life. Like played with a guy like uh, Jeff Bumstead, who's one of the toughest dudes I've ever met in my life. Yeah, um, that's where, where I really started getting into training Muay Thai and boxing. And this guy. So when I got down there, I was heavy into working out and eating properly and and um, doing all that and bummer was uh into martial arts and boxing but his workouts were just terrible and his eating habits were even worse so we became really really good friends and roommates and you know we taught each other to be better and and him with working out and eating habits and and me and martial arts so it was just an awesome experience this is still one of my best friends uh um, to this day I've ever met through the game of hockey. And this guy turned into a pro MMA fighter and one of the best street fighters I've ever seen. And it's it just an awesome, awesome time with him and and Corpus Christi. What a place to play hockey and, and live, man. It's just awesome there.
0: I was going to say, and you had, uh, you had quite the team. You know, Bumstead, uh, um, Lauren Tays. Uh, yeah, Lauren, Joe Walt. Yeah, Craig Cox. Well, veteran Craig Cox. Uh, Craig Cox. Yeah, uh, who was it? Kevin Holiday was there? Yeah, uh, Quentin Van Horlock. Um, yeah, Q-Ball, man, one of my best buddies.
2: Rest in peace.
0: Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so again, you guys had 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 no shortage in in toughness uh, in your in your years in, in Corpus for sure.
2: Yeah, and, and like you said, that's the place where I, I started to become a player, and, and the reason I was all about the fighting, the fighting, the fighting, and then I saw this guy Jeff Bumstead, that was probably the toughest guy in the league, but this guy is putting up numbers. And um, I remember one year he, he was one of the best fighters. He gets 30 goals and 30 majors or something more close to it. 28 maybe, tw- maybe he just missed that 30-30. But um, the next year he comes back and wins a scoring title with 122 points. And at that time I'm like, dude, you can do both. I can do both. Like So that inspired me to not only to, because there was a lot there's a lot of guys that were tough, but they couldn't. They weren't tough and could play hockey. They couldn't do both. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was very mobile and very physical. And probably the not a lot of people know, but the best part of my game was probably being able to, my ability to body check and forecheck. And, like, uh, incredible, I was an incredible, I think that's the best part of my game, is the body checking and being able, being mobile and all that stuff.
0: No, absolutely. And uh well I wanna throw some names at you in terms of uh guys you were playing against. Um I mean you had uh <coughs> pardon me, uh Jason Renard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm re- retired Renard. Yeah. Yeah,
2: and I'm friends with, I'm friends with him from the Quebec League and uh and spent a few nights having a few pranks with him and he's uh definitely a tough character and he's and there's another guy that was um his ability to body check and, and skate, and, and not only through fighting, but more so his intimidation through his physical play. So, yeah, definitely good, good guy to throw out there. Good name to have. Tough guy.
0: Yeah. Well, and then uh, another guy that that's been a guest on this show was my first guest actually. Um, he was in Austin. Uh, was Josh Mazer? I know you guys fought um, and Ryan Anderson out in Austin as yes. well. Skinny. Yes. Um, yeah, it's skinny. Yeah,
2: I had a. He was. Uh, good friends with Jeff Bumstead, too, I believe, Skinny, and, uh, you know, obviously Sean Legault, who turned out to be a a good friend of mine, another guy I met through Fisticuffs, who we later became teammates and really good friends to this day. So, yeah, those are all names guys I fought with, and, you know, you meet some of the best guys in the world fighting them. That's what I tell when People think I'm nuts, but it's it's
0: true. Yeah, no, and, like, Carla Nordstrom and Cabana and Sprout, and, I mean, uh, there's, like... Sprout, yeah, I remember
2: I fought him uh, when I was I finally got a chance to fight him and was up feeling up to the task in the Central League when I was with Corpus Christi. And, and his spotter was probably near the end of his career, but um, the fight didn't go well for him. But it was an honor to fight that fight him. And a big, big veteran and, uh, you know, big um, um, reputation and did it for a long time and also played the game very
0: well. Yep. Well, in your... Um just to get uh, in your in your last year in two thousand two thousand one, you're in Corpus, but you actually started that year in the UK in Bracknell, in the at the British yeah. Super League at that time. How would you end up over yes. there? And what and why did you uh, only stay eleven games? What happened? Yeah,
2: I think it was actually they don't count if you go back into elite prospects. Um, there's a thing called the B and H Cups that's in there. So I was there actually for about twenty games. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I got there is my father Barry. Um, he played for the five flyers. It wasn't pro at the time. I don't know if it was semi-pro or the. but anyway, so the five flyers in the British National League, and uh, my father went there and played a year over there, and so I was always interested in, in um, checking out or keeping my eye on, on um, the UK League, and that uh, British, ice, Seconda, British Ice Hockey Seconda Super League um, got pretty big, man, and they're paying oh. some pretty big money at the back in those days and luckily for me through my father my grandfather my dad's dad is born in in london or in england sorry not london and um he didn't come over to canada until he's about 12 years old so i was able to secure a british work visa a stamp they call it so i got that and um as soon as you get that you don't have to compete with on the um with the import market so you're just going with other, against other Euros or guys from the UK. So that made it, um, eligible for me to go over there. Um, and when I went over there, it was an awesome experience. Bracknell's not a very nice place, and, but you get there and you see the rank, it's not very nice. And, um, but good people. And you think, oh, I guess this is how Europe is. And then you start going to London, the H2O Arena, Nottingham and Newcastle, Manchester, uh, Cardiff. Um, the Odyssey Arena in um, in uh, Belfast, Ireland. And yep. you're like, okay, I'm not sure what's going on with Bracknell. But um, <laughs> I can't remember. And, and the coach there is still a good friend of mine today, Ennio Satcheloto, one of my favorite coaches. Um, this guy was, and I was playing good hockey too, and he, this is a guy that was not sending you out to fight. I'd have to be like, hey, Anil, I got to go now. I got to go out there. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, we're here. Go ahead. Yeah, do your thing. So um, great guy and uh, one of my favorite coaches to play for over there. What did I leave for? I think I had a better opportunity or something with the American League, and um, I, I, it's a little hazy to me what, why did I end up leaving there. But I know after that, I, I got my first National Hockey League tryout. And, yeah, um, yeah, but it
0: wasn't but, like um, any, no, it wasn't some big incident or anything. Why you laughed? No, or, no, no, no big, no big incident at all. And I, I really.
2: That always ate at me and bothered me to, to um, leave Coach Ennio like that. But, you know, at some point you got to ask yourself what's best for the player and you. Um, but that always came back to um, to actually bother me, and I've had the chance to talk to Ennio about it since then, and he's a, such a great guy. And, um, um, you know, we have him come up to the coast every year to do um, – he has international hockey development as his company, and – he coaches at the West Vancouver Academy, which is really close to us. It's just a ferry right away and right there. And so to have Ennio come up every summer and to be able to work with him and stay in contact with him, and he's um, one of my coach mentors that um, and a guy that um, I definitely appreciate and had the opportunity to play for him and respect him a ton. The only thing is I didn't like leaving him, but at the same time, I had to do what was um, best for myself as a player at the time.
0: Well, I know uh, you got into a couple tilts when you were over there, um, yeah. Daniel, Daniel yeah. Lacroix. And there was another one, Louis Bedard. And I Louis think, Bedard, yeah, I think you and Louis have a few run-ins over the years. Um, yeah, me, Louis,
2: Daniel Lacroix. Well, I played with Louis. I was—he's a great guy, yeah. awesome dude. It was nice, nice being teammates with him. And um, I met Chris Crombie There was down in the. Um, so they, when you play over there, you play in the B&H Cup, which is, so you play with the second division, which is the British National League, and you play games against their top teams, and Chris Crombie, I don't know a whole lot about him, he's a real big guy, and I think he was an OHL guy, and supposed to be the toughest guy in the B&L, and we ended up, I think it was one of my, might have been my first game there, and I just laid a smackdown on him, and, um, you know, I think that caught people by attention. I had two goals, and um, was man of the match, I didn't know they gave these things out, and um, but I remember going up into the rink in um, Bracknell after and having a couple pints with Crombie, so it was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, announcing your presence with authority. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, what did you think of the overall game there? Did you enjoy it, or did you prefer the North American game?
2: No, they don't get yourself wrong. That's um, They play a North American style in yeah. the U.K. It's ba- straight up. Um, not quite to the degree that, um, like slapshot like we've been talking about the western pro league or yeah. the United League or the LNAH. but there's still there's a couple tough guys two three heavyweights that played in the NHL or played in the American league and um it, so there it's still north American style but it was more geared toward more it was um, more geared to i guess leaning towards today's game you know you're um, you're probably you know, i think I was only fighting once every four to five games over there mm-hmm as opposed to, you know, sometimes I think the most majors I had, don't quote me on this, but somewhere around 60-plus, or 50-plus, sorry. I think uh, and I was in the United League, I think Trevor Sen might have had the first most at about 60, and I think I had about 50-something in 63 games. So you're almost at a fight a game over there while you're trying to play hockey. Yeah. Um, you look at some of those guys, the leaders in the Quebec League, those guys are putting up 70 majors <laughs> a
0: year, which is ridiculous. Yeah, I think ridiculous. McMorrow has the record. I think it's 86. Is now. he? Uh, 86. What's that? The other guy, too, uh, long haired Swanson. Oh, he good, old, old Swanee. Oh, yeah. Had, yeah. Yeah, he had 80. I think Derek Parker had 80, too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah those Like, I, I knew right before I told the guys when I got there, like, Don't, I'm not... I'm not going to be leading any league here in majors, so just let's get that straight right now. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I don't know. I don't know what the. I never played a full season over there. I was injured, but I can't remember. I think I had twenty something fights or something. Yeah, something you did. Like that. But
0: it wasn't a walk in the park. I'll tell you that. No, no, we'll get there. But uh, yeah, well, so you. So the following oh one oh two, you had mentioned um, the NHL. Um, you were in the Columbus Blue Jacket camp. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did that happen? Before or after Elmira? That
2: happened from Elmira. From okay, okay. So So, my first year in Elmira, I had a pretty good um, regular season. There was lots of call-up to the American League. Even yeah, I think I only played eight games, but you're still getting called up taking warm up and getting scratched I don't know how many times, at least a half a dozen times. Yeah. So and I I think I, I put up good numbers that year in the American League, something like ninety minutes and eight or eight games or something. Yep. So it was on pace for a pretty good uh and I think I had something like twelve majors or something stupid. But um so Elmira the regular season I had about seventeen goals and I can't uh maybe 28, 30 points, 400 and something, 70 something minutes and PIMS. And, but what happened was we went to the playoffs and, um, my coach had a, you know, pretty good talk to me and I was playing on the top line, right? And I went on to, I don't know if I ended up finishing the playoffs and goals, leading in goal scoring, but I already was, was on pace and was right up there. I think I had 10 points in 10 games and unfortunately, bad little, and a little incident happened where I got suspended for four games. But, um, in the playoffs, but um I really tore it up on the score sheet that year. Yes, and you did. was able and we went to the finals and lost in the finals and that's where um we were affiliated with Columbus. I was in Syracuse the year before obviously and that's where I got um Todd Brost to help me get a line into Columbus's camp. I went to Columbus for you know, the standards seven days to the first cut, so <laughs> that was that was a good experience.
0: Well that had to be quite the nonetheless i mean you're still pulling on an nhl jersey and uh that had to be yeah, quite the yeah. experience right yeah it was surreal man
2: it was pretty cool to be in the big room in columbus nationwide arena and your name and number i remember i was wearing 89 i was like oh alex mcgillney here we go there you Walking go in and you go and your name bar is up in the stall and your jersey's hanging with your name plate on and your practice jersey and uh i remember Something funny I remember about that is I was the last guy in that camp. I think I was 27 years old. The only guy with a um, carpet composite shaft and a wooden blade. Everyone had switched over to the full one pieces. I was the last guy still using the old wooden blade.
0: (laughs) Hey, hey, did you have uh, have any fights in camp? No, you know what? Um, Jody
2: Shelley and Sean Legault, I guess they went a little crazy the year before, unfortunately for me. In camp, and um, Don McLean came down and just said, "Hey, there's no fighting in camp. We know who the fighters are. Save it for preseason." Which obviously, I was there for one preseason game, but um, no opportunity. Um, so, well, what can you do? It's just how the the cards I was dealt. Don was pretty serious about not um, fighting each other in camp, but he knew who the the enforcers were and to show the stuff against the other organizations. And
0: unfortunately for me, that opportunity never came. Well, the um, speaking of Elmira, like you said, you, your first season there, <clears throat> 17 goals, but you had four, 472 minutes of penalties. But yeah. John Murphy had four, your teammate had 408, and then there's Lego with 365. And all, yeah. three, all three of you, Jokers, are on the same team. I mean, there had to be war drums going on in Elmira every time, oh, every game.
2: Yeah, I remember uh, Broasty Todd Brost, called us into his office, the three of us. and He rings out the penalty minutes at the time. It wasn't the end of the year yet, but he pointed out the fact that the three of us have more penalty minutes than every other team combined, each team. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, you know, trying to um, reel us in or dial us back, but I don't think for poor Todd Brost, um that worked out for him. <laughs> we kept no. going. So, and, and we talked about never judging the book by its cover, and that's uh, the guy there, Murph. I used to, I dubbed him the Hurricane. Um, and he was a smaller mass, six foot, 185 pound, that would go with anybody. And he was a lefty, and he was one of those guys always going toe to toe. Didn't have much of a right hand. So he's actually a guy that I passed on, the Jacques Mayotte, the. Um, um, the cross grip, right? So got him to get his right hand on the other guy's right hand to unleash his left hand so he's not just going toe-to-toe with guys 225, 230 pounds. So it didn't always work out well for Murph. But he's a a lobster fisherman and tough as nails, that guy. Great guy, great teammate. I haven't heard from him for years, but I hope he's doing well.
0: Absolutely. Well, like you said, that league was just stacked up. Even just in the East Division with you guys, I mean – you got the meat grinder there, Marty Melnichuk. The
2: yeah, uh, Chucker. I had a few battles with Chucker, good guy.
0: How how was fighting Marty?
2: Good. Good, good, good. Um yeah, I had a good fight with Marty and I don't think we only fought a couple times, but after that my was like Marty we're we're buddies, right? Like but Marty take it to the point where he'd come in the locker room before We like, Winger walk in our locker room freaking out with my teammates. Winger, come on talk to me and people are like, What the fuck is this guy's just hulking, right? You've seen him. Just massive. Comes walking over with no shirt on. And walking right in our room. Just hilarious stuff. And he was a great guy. Chucker, tough as nails and big as an ox.
0: Yeah, well, and then you had Jason Bone and Trevor Sand and Frank yeah. Little, Frank Littlejohn, Brandon Fleener. I mean... Uh, yeah. I think I fought all those guys. Yeah, you, well, <laughs> there, one guy you fought a couple times, Eric Anderson. Eric Anderson, I
2: don't, I don't know if I remember him. Oh, wow, well, there you go, Anderson. Yeah, I remember. Was he the guy? Was he down in the Western Pro League too? Oh, he might have been. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. i fought a few Andersons. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I yeah. did not like the name Anderson. Yeah, like,
0: well then <laughs> I they, don't know. Like you said, Kenzie Homer, Wagner, and uh, Mike Payne, and Kenzie,
2: Yeah,
0: Kenzie, Kenzie Homer. Homer
2: was a big guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had some real good luck against him and um i i took him out pretty hard a couple of times to the point where he didn't really want to fight anymore and you know part of it's luck but that was to the point you're fighting the six foot six guys i was real careful where i was giving him to grab me in the square off and he did not get a hold i remember just dipping right and he ended up grabbing my left shoulder and leaving my right hand on free and a couple of i think one time i one punched him and You know, and that was just part of locking our end experience by me by not letting a tall guy like that get a good grab off the start, but big guy. Did you fight Wagner? Uh, I did fight Wagner. He was in, uh, oh, geez, in the United League, in Elmira in front of the net. He was on one of the South teams in the United League. Chris Millette was on that team. Um, Oh, I can't remember. I thought it was one of the Carolina teams, but I, I I can't remember the name of the team to save my life. Well, yeah, I, I fought Wags, and then I played with Wags too, right? Yep, yep. yeah. He's a big, big animal. Yeah.
0: yeah. Now you got me thinking. Now, what? What? Uh, trying to think. What team? Oh, on? is it
2: not the? Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a southern team. I thought it was in the Carolinas, in the United South Division of the United Hockey League. For sure, it was. I just told. It's just, I'm just drawing a blank, but it was a team, he was, um...
0: Oh, he's in Asheville, uh, Asheville, smoke. Asheville. Yeah, Asheville he was there with Chris Schultz. Guns. Chris Schultz and him. Yes. Chris Millette was there, too. Yep. yep. Um,
2: another good guy, another ex-teammate of mine, big guy, tough guy. Yeah, at that's this, right.
0: I mean, at this point, um, like, you know, 472, year cruising along. Has there, um... I mean, obviously, we don't, with the video or anything... But was there anybody that uh, gave, you, gave you any problems in terms mm, you, like,
2: not really not at that time I'm not I mean I wasn't killing everybody but no but I was just gonna say, like' no did, you take,
0: did you take any beatings from anybody
2: no not at that time of my career I don't think no not at all trevor Sen was a formidable opponent you know yep. he's a tough little guy man tough as nails but no at that time I think I was I was priming out pretty heavy and uh look you know like I remember fighting Andrew Peters multiple times yeah and then you see this guy's up in the up in the show and you're like what what so um you no know, uh, uh what's it real big Ryan Schmier yep got it got him a couple times real good and he was a tough guy so um, I think he sort of underestimated me, and when I finally caught him a few times, he was, uh, you know, a lot more respect was showing definitely, and remember trying to square off with him, started to become difficult, because was real careful.
0: So. Well, like you said, you were up and down, you were up with Syracuse, and you mentioned him before, because oh. you had a few run-ins, and of course, the infamous St. Patrick's Day Massacre, um, Oh yeah, uh, you and Parsons. Steve Parsons, Gearing it John all jackson. down and uh and 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 going at it, I know I think you fought Parsons about three or four times that year,
2: three I fought John jackson once and he was enormous too. I wish we should do a total from those four fights <laughs> yeah you know then that that night those those do a total height and weight on those guys are big boys, but um I knew Steve Parsons from the b c hockey League, yep, so I was not scared of Steve at all. I'm not saying uh, he's a tough guy, but they he he was a very big guy and likes to bark a lot I and mean, he's intimidating but him, just from knowing him and playing against him and stuff, I, there was no intimidation factor for me. I wasn't scared of him and I saw that as an opportunity, a stepping stone, right, to definitely flat it with this guy and, um, yeah, so we, we fought um, three times that night. Yep. So, you know, they always, Spitting Chicklets has, has that on there and it's a big thing every St. Patrick's Day and, um, you know, no one's really talked to me about it. That's what
0: I'm bringing. That's why I had you on. Yep, we're going to yeah. get winger's side of the story here. <laughs> yeah, so that's a and, and you know I was. Uh, it seems like we
2: have played a lot of games against Wilkesbury, and I fought a lot against Wilkesbury and Wilkesbury too. And um, that night, I was just called up. Who else came up? Um, another tough guy from Adirondack, Alex Johnston. Johnstone. Does that ring a bell? He was a tough guy in Adirondack. So they pulled us up together, and now you're seeing, uh, oh, you know what's up. You don't know the history right then because there's no social media, so we don't know that Syracuse is having a real issue with Wilkes-Barre, right? No, nothing of it. Until you get up there. And on that night, the St. Patrick's Day Massacre is uh, Um, I got out there, my first shift, and Darcy Verreau. (laughs) I fought Darcy Verreau. He played in Lake Charles. Ice. Pirates. They were called in the Western Pro and he fucking uh did the jersey slide on me. Got got me pretty good with all all geared down Rob Ray style. So that always stuck in my mind, right? And uh Gar- was doing a pretty good job. I um I'm not sure if he got called up to the show or not, but he might have <sighs> Yeah, he did. He'd probably be able to, yeah, you probably be able to answer that. So there you go. He did. And he was playing a lot in the American League and I always had a B for this guy, right? I, I felt like like I needed a shot, so my first shift I got out there against Darcy and um tried to fight him. I think I dropped my gloves, but he didn't drop his shit and Parsons came flying in and we flew at it. And I caught him with a I remember one good punch landed clean right on his jaw. I didn't knock him out or anything, but I remember in the box he was uh, you know, he was a little dazed and he that's the first time. He's like, You're a pretty tough guy and I'm like, Hey, thanks, tips, <laughs> like, Hey, thanks. Yeah, like I know, bud. so that fight went down with Parsons. Um, and then he did something else and you know I can see from Parson's point of view he wanted he was getting an opportunity to play and I was just about fighting him and he was trying to play hockey and I was just all over him, like white on rice and finally agreed to fight again and um I remember him we're squaring off and he's pissed off and he he took his elbow pads off and throws them at me while we're squared off and I'm dodging them. I'm like what the fuck is going on why are you throwing gear at me so we fought again um I think that night, to be honest, um, I scored the game-winning goal. So I I think it was a 2 or 3 nothing win, but I scored the first goal. I can't remember the exact score, but I'm pretty sure I had the game-winning goal. I scored my only American Hockey League goal that night. So I fought Parsons twice. And then uh, John Jacopin, which is, he was up and down. He's a huge dude, man. Huge dude. And he was up and down with Pittsburgh, and he did something to... uh, one of our players, I can't remember who it was. Um, I can picture his face right now, and he was uh, Jeremy Reach, which is a middleweight fighter, pretty tough guy. Yep. But he's also a really good player. And Jackpin and Reach got into something, and Coach put me out there. So obviously, like I don't want my job is to do. I lined up against Jason McDonald, and we're kind of he's kind of hooking me and sticking me, and I kind of shoved him I'm like Get out of my way, man! I'm fighting this guy. And he's like, Who are you fighting? And I'm like, Beat it fighting jacobin and we squared off and he's so huge jacobin and we ended up falling down pretty quick it wasn't a great fight but i remember when we we're down on the ice the lines were trying to break us up we we're on our hands and knees and he fucking threw a sucker punch through the pile and i don't think he caught me but he caught i saw his intentions and i was a lot uh, more compact a lot um um a lot more agile a lot quicker and i popped up and he was on his knees and i knocked him out cold and that's what sent that brawl off these guys all jumped me and parsons jumped off the bench and i remember being in the bottom of that brawl and so much pressure and weight on me like so my hands are on the ice and i can see all these skate blades like literally inches away like i'm like i'm gonna lose some fingers here like this is scary and you're, I'm using all that energy trying to stand up with 10 guys on you or even 11 because Parsons jumped off the bench. And I got up and we're, I just gasped from trying to get up the whole for I don't know how long it was, maybe a minute, not even probably. probably felt like five minutes. But it was probably 45 seconds. But with that weight on you and your fingers almost get chopped off, you get a little excited. So I got up. I was walked up with uh, McDonald again and just trying to catch my breath and I could see Parsons... Uh, he was uh, still going at it with the linesman. I could see what he was doing. He was reaching down, down to his uh, tie down. So I was like, oh, well, I know how this is going to go. So the well, high was a lot quicker off because I didn't have I any mean, linesman on I me. Mean, I geared my stuff right off. was bare chested and I was waiting at center ice for him. And, you know, he, it seemed a lot better at the time. You look at the video, the video doesn't do no justice for, for what was actually seemed like what was going on at the time. It was just chaotic. And we got going, and Parsons, and um, at the end, you can see his feet in the video squirming away. That's because he stuck his thumb in my mouth. And what do you think I'm going to do when someone sticks their thumb and their finger in my mouth?
1: Well, of
2: course. Yeah. Fucking bite it as hard as I can. So that was pretty cool. You know, they talk about Steve Parsons. He owns the American Hockey League record for 20 minutes that night. But there's no mention. I had a 45 minute night, um, four fights, which you can't do because you can get kicked out after three. Yep. A double game misconduct. Uh, I scored the game winning goal, and I'm not even shitting. I had enough time to drive from Wilkesbury back to Elmira. I was told to get my stuff, went to the bar, and I think we got another little brew ha ha that night. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what I'm like spitting chicklets. Where are you? Like, I'd rather be with you than them. I'm like, fuck. You're, they're all pro Wilkesbury Scranton guys, anyways. But
0: Well, hey. it's, yeah, it's back in the day, but hey, I, I, got, I, got yeah. the, I got the star of the whole show right here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's. Uh,
2: Four hockey fights, a game win, had time for the game winning goal and enough
0: time to get back to a bar and get in another one.
2: So, I mean, <laughs> I'm glad someone's
0: asking me about it. Absolutely. Well, what did? Uh, well, after it's all said and done, I mean, what, what's uh, what's what's Coach say to you? Like, were they uh, oh, like were they pissed? Like that they come they in the room, been... He's
2: like, he, Coach is like, go get your stuff. You're with us for the rest of the year, Jamie Hewer. Remember Huey? played in the show for a long time. He's just on flabbergasted. Never seen anything like that winger. Coach is like, go pack your stuff in Elmira. You're coming to Syracuse the rest of the year. I swear to God. It was uh, Um, oh, jeez, what's his name? Well, Ross Yates was the assistant coach. Mike, well, uh, Ag- Gary Agnew. Gary Agnew, yep. Gary Agnew. So great guys. And I get it. They are excited. You're with us the rest of the year, but uh, I talked to Gary after. and You know, emotion plays with them too, and that's what he intended. He wanted me the rest of the year, but it's not his call. It's upstairs. This call. Right. Yep. So, um, I went back to Elmira. I remember, I think it was a Saturday night. The, the, um, St. Patrick's state massacre went down and, and, I think Elmira had an afternoon game that Sunday. And I get a call from Brosty, Elmira's coach. And he's like, Hey winger, um, you got that. You're going to play for us. So I'm like, no, man. Uh, Eggs told me that I'm with them the rest of the year. My like, gears in Syracuse I went back on the bus. And he's like, oh, no, I sent for it. They want you to play with us tonight. And I'm like, I was just told that I'm with Syracuse the rest of the year. He's like, no, you're playing with us. Play with Elmira? Never heard from Syracuse again that year. So, yeah, like shitty. Ha-
0: yeah, well, and then the following, you, you know, you played the one game, and then that's, you know, and then Hershey, and then that's kind of it. Was that uh, really, did you have any, like, did Did you know why, or did they just no. go, yeah, no. no no one ever said anything to you? No. Well, that sucks. No. Well. Um,
2: same with, um, I went down and played in Hershey there for a bit with uh, Mike Tolino, Mike was the coach down there, and they called me up to, we just finished like three and three nights in Elmira and I got a call Sunday or something to get down to Hershey. I've been traded from Syracuse just to fight um, Dennis Bondi. Um, it's obviously, I don't know what month it was, February or yeah, probably February, I think. And you're in uh, upstate New York. I don't have a car. Just finished three and three nights. You know, I turned the ringer off on the old phones, get some sleep, went out. Um, had had a few drinks with the teammates that night trying to sleep in sunday and look and i got all these voicemails from my agent he's like you got breaming me out you gotta answer your phone you gotta get down to um hershey you're you're supposed to fight um bondy that night i'm like oh whippy right on man like three of three nights i'm bagged. um i don't have a car so i gotta go and try to find a car one of my teammates lends me his car i gotta drive from new york down into pennsylvania and to um um, what what is Hershey Saint Petersburg? What is I can't remember the name Harris? No, Hershey I mean, I... is Harris. Harris. I can't remember the name of the town that Hershey actually is in. Anyways, I got to get down there, and I get down there just for warm up. Just for warm up, I walk in. I'm like fuck. Like warm ups already started, so I'm like oh man, I'm late. But like it's, it was a tough go to get get everything ready and lined up to get down there. I get down there, they don't end up dressing me.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. So I'm with I'm with Hershey. What well, I end up playing, um, we go down to uh, Hampton Roads, and much I'm like much to my delight. Guess who's their player assistant coach in Hampton Roads in the American League? Louis DeBrusque. <laughs> years later, I'm like, oh, 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 oh this is exciting. Um, so I'm gonna get a shot at Louis again. Fast forward eight years or whatever it is. I'm, like, a little more equipped now, Louie. Like, I'm, like, Louie's getting it. So get out there for warm-up, and uh, I think Louie was in warm-up and then come out for the game, and he's not in the lineup. So I'm, like, brutal. Um, little did I know that, Travis Moen and Sean Thornton. I didn't even know who Sean Thornton was. I think I actually lined up against them after a goal. No idea who the guy was. Yep. No teammates pointed it out to me. I completely missed opportunity right there. But... You know, you're new to that organization. I don't know what's going on. No one's like, hey, winger, that's Sean Thornton. You should be fighting him. I always had a peg on Travis Moyev, but I, my radar was all about Louis Dabrowski. and was sort of let down when he wasn't dressed. So that was it, man. I think um, I was one, a couple games in, I don't even know, in Hershey. And I guess Bob Scurlach was there. So I would fought Skurlack years before in Cam was, his camp in the Western Link. When I was with them, but and this is after my first year in Bellingham, I went to a prospect camp there and fought fought Skrlack there. So, but for some reason, I guess Felino talked to whoever Albany's coach was, and they we both took warm up, and then they scratched us both. So that was a no go. So um, you know that that was the extent of that bouncing around with Hershey. Um, Hershey, Mike Folino told me um, they're keeping me the rest of the year. They're heading out on a Western road swing. I was to go back to Elmira, gather my things, wait for a call from Hershey and report back there for the rest of the year. No call, never heard from him again. Brutal. Um, <laughs> you're like, this is awesome. Thanks, guys. But, I mean, again, talking to Gary Agnew, it's he going on emotions. He wanted me there. Comes from Columbus. They don't have room for me. Uh, they can call me up when they need my services, right, which is shitty. Yeah. Wow. wow. So I got one more really one more really good uh Syracuse story I think everyone would like to hear um so I don't know if that was that I guess it was that first year but it was after a blow we just blew out the preseason and when I was with Syracuse it was ridiculous I forget I got suspended for breaking an American Hockey League record that had been broken in 20 something years it was accumulating too many fighting majors and game misconducts in a short span a two week period or something so I got a one game suspension But I had two goals in four games and something like, I can't remember, 90-something penalty minutes or something ridiculously high in like eight majors. And I was there the opening day with Legault. We're like, wow, we made the Syracuse's opening day roster. Much to get scratched that night and both sent down the next day. (laughs) But anyways, I get my first game. I don't know if it was my first game up there or not. But I got called up. we're going to Hamilton play the Bulldogs. And uh, so the bus pulls into Hamilton, and Jody Shelley's on the team. I'm on the line with him that night. And uh, Ag's, Gary Agnew, the bus is empty. now. know, he's like, Winger, I want to talk to you. Everyone gets off the bus, and he's like, okay, this comes right from the top, from, um, oh, what's, what's the GM's name there? I forget now, so I'm losing it. Um, Columbus's GM. Oh, uh, Doug McLean? Yeah, Doug McLean. This comes right from the top from McLean. He's like, this is his words. I'm not kidding you. He's like, hey, you can't be going retarded tonight. I'm like, whoa, what do you mean? Retarded? He's like, yeah, man, like no fighting. Go there and play hockey. And I'm like, wow, easy. He's like, I don't want any shit tonight, all right? That comes from Doug, not from me. I'm like, all right. So we go out there and we play Hamilton. And they just, oh, my God. They just, I think it was 10 nothing or 10-1. And they play who let the dogs out after every goal. I'm uh-huh. like, oh, just brutal. We're just getting lit up. And uh, Shelly gets into a fight, right? He gets thrown out, and I'm like, well, Jesus. You know, I don't want to be playing in this game, but got to remember what Doug said, right? Yep. So I'm keeping my cool. Nothing's really going on until some a scrum starts on the ice. I'm one of the last guys in the pile, right? And I come in there, grab a guy, and um, it's a pretty tall guy. It's, um, I think that was Hamilton was with Edmonton at the time. It's their first-round pick. I didn't even know the guy. Yanni Rita, Finn or something. No idea who he is. But, so I get in there, and I grab a guy, and I'm like, you know, he's got a visor on. So I'm like, just for precautionary measures, I just flip his lid off really quick in case he <laughs> wants to fight. So I pull his lid off, and he's like 6'3", and... So he drops his gloves, and I'm like, oh, here we go. It's a full-on five-on-five line brawl. So I'm like, so much for, um, you know, not getting any extracurricular activity that night. So Rita fires a few punches off, and I'm like, fuck. So I fire a couple rights, and I'm not even close within his range. The guy's got me by three, four inches. But right away, I just step inside with a cross grip with my right and step in with just a left bomb knock this guy out cold he falls and hits the ice in a puddle of blood i'm like holy shit like he's at my feet out cold i look around and i'm like what do i do so i'm like fucking you can see hamilton's bench going nuts so it just i don't know what set me off but i just made a beeline for their bench i was just going to jump in the bench so i go racing over there and Lo and behold, both linesmen come charging. They get a hold of me. I'm right at their bench. They tackle me. I fall in the heat with these two linesmen. One of the linesmen gets hurt. They throw me out. And after, Agnew's like, Winger, so much for not going retarded, eh? And I'm like, ah, but uh, I didn't mean to. And he's like, yeah, you're going back down. I'm like, fuck. There it goes. Like, what do you want me to do? So, I end up getting called back up, but it's a pretty pretty entertaining story at the time it was pretty hilarious not supposed to get in any extra activity and ended up getting a suspension actually <laughs> so well Doug wasn't happy
0: well pretty tough when you're in that position and that's uh actually it's not really fair to like you know you, you put a put the handcuffs on a guy like what are you supposed to do I mean you know it um you know especially a guy in your role uh, yeah, what's the point of calling me up? I mean, Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, what are we doing here? I'm not here to run the power play. I mean, you know. <laughs>
2: no, no, definitely not. So, well,
0: I ended up getting the call again, so
2: I thought that would be it with Syracuse. But then then you start to see what they're doing, right? Like, instead of, you have a contract in the American League, and then I have a separate contract in the uh, United League. So, instead of these guys keeping me up for the week to play on weekends, they're, sending you down on a monday and they're calling you up on a friday and yeah. i'm like this is like and so you're barely making any extra money you're not i'm like and then you're fighting guys way tougher than you normally would be and not getting to play as much but you're still trying to move up right yeah So they got you by the balls and you're like this is like this is brutal i'm just stuck in a brutal situation here
0: yeah. So, the, yeah the complete piece of meat right like just you know feeling and it uh but yeah, it, you're just a piece of meat. You know, but o two o three, your aimer year. This is your massive year. Sixty three games, twenty nine goals, five hundred and seventy six minutes of penalties. I mean, yeah. uh, you you got to be thinking you're King Kong at this point. Yeah, I think they actually call me Wing Kong. Yeah, they do.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was just in my stride, like full full of confidence. Um. I remember at that time doing fitness testing at that point in my career and um, just blowing everyone out of the water during fitness testing. Um, I remember at the point where Todd Brost was, um, I just came back from Syracuse and we're in Elmira and did the fitness test, and he pointed out to the whole entire group at training camp, this is why this guy plays at a higher level. He just annihilated all you guys at everything, standing jump, grip strength, pull-ups, bench presses, um, you know, maybe didn't win the cardio, but I was right up there. Yeah. So, you know, all that, and it's a pretty good feeling when the coaches pointing out to guys, if you want to go to the next level, this is what you got to be like. So, full of confidence and definitely hitting your stride and hitting my prime, feeling good about it, and definitely um, savage era, and that's what I was. You know, a warrior, a fighter, and a hockey player. So just loving life at that time
0: yeah well and you played with uh, a couple characters there uh like you were talking about millette earlier um yeah. H- hickey and uh, uh rest in
2: peace jerry hickey the hitman
0: yeah and uh so, and yeah, another awesome. and another legendary yeah. uh a great player as well as a tough guy uh kevin kerr kevin, kevin
2: kerr yeah the awesome dude yeah he like at that time in his career, I don't think he was fighting anymore. It's like when no. I played with Craig Cox, right? Yep. Cox, he was, they were just playing hockey, and those are the guys that I. Anyone came near or Kersey or, or Cox, like fuck, I was beelining, like fuck you. you no one's touching those guys, right? Not you. Got to get through me before you touch these guys. Are legends? Like they earned their due, and I'm going to do everything in my power to to do do the job they they always did, and they no longer had to do. one, as far as I was concerned
0: absolutely um, well a couple of the characters you uh, I know you you fought against the blue Benefeld and uh, Charlie all Z do you have any uh, yeah. any uh, any stories or memories of fighting those guys
2: yeah I, I love fighting Charlie Lee' he's a nice guy but like uh, I don't know if he was I know he's a fighter but I, he just didn't seem like seem like that was his thing for uh, but I'll tell you what the guy threw a huge right hand um, so I remember the first time I fought Alize, he was in Kalamazoo, and li- luckily at that time we didn't have visors, so my helmet was on, but he hit me hard to the side of the helmet, and um, I almost went out, and after that, I just made sure with Charlie that um, that first right didn't land, because he's a big guy, and, and as soon as he couldn't land that on me anymore, it was just a matter of switching hands and tying him up, and... Pretzeling him, and I was a lot stronger than him, and ambidextrous, and he was just right-handed, and um, but he could take a mean and I'll tell you that I gave Charlie some bad ones, and he always kept coming back, always. So yeah. kudos to him. And he didn't seem very mean. Like I don't think we we're in the same category as um, as, as mean and uh, level of meanness. Uh, you know, like, but uh, he did his job. Uh, Blue Benefield. I don't like Blue Benefield. I never have liked Blue. I guess he's kind of tough. I didn't find him very tough when I fought him. Found him, he liked to play tough at home and run his mouth and jump lesser guys. And I remember he jumped a guy, a good friend of mine, Frederick Belanger, who was not a fighter at all in Adirondack. So I jumped Blue and just gave it to him. He was like ground and pound. I just pounded him. And uh, gave him some a good black eye and to the point where we were going at it, yelling at each other off the ice, and I fucking ran down there, the hallway, off after we got thrown out, and he was thinking about, he was yelling at me, thinking about playing, and then he went right back into his room. And then you'll see, uh, the next night was back in uh, Danbury during NASCAR jersey night, and um, we had another one, but and he he just flopped around, and he's lucky I didn't connect on some of those punches, because he would have been put into the... Uh, orbit, but I never liked Blue. Never thought he was that tough. Um, no, I guess he was kind of tough, but uh, just I don't like his tactics. Never really one of the least guys I respected. I think in in
0: hockey. Well, there was a name brought up to me, Scott. You're out there listening. I got your I got your questions. Here they are. The um, a, a friend of mine in Fort Wayne. I know he was like yeah. I said. He was he was all pumped that I was talking to. He was a big fan of yours. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And like you said, so you're in Fort. Wayne, he's in Fort Wayne at the game. And uh, well, first of all, he wanted to know uh, just in general what your feelings were about uh, Bruce Watson. Bruce is a tough guy. I fought Bruce a few times in the American
2: League, and then uh, in Rockford, Danbury. Yep, he's a big guy. He's a tough guy. I got I got um, I got respect for Bruce for sure. Um, there were great fights. Nothing like that I remember as a highlight in my career, but he's a massive man. One thing I remember about fighting Bruce was, um, this is in Syracuse, and he's in Wiltsbury in preseason, and um, my tuck broke off my skate fighting him. Like, the rivets, one's whole side. <laughs> so big and heavy, so much weight, that my tuck blew off. It's the only time I ever had my tuck break, or my skate, so the skate blade holder broke off my skate with this guy's weight on me fighting him.
0: Uh, well, and he, you know, and like you said, he was a big dude, and he uh, he fought everybody. He was around a long time, and uh, yeah, he, yeah, def- he sure. definitely did it for a long time. Well, yeah. the incident he wanted to talk about, what he said, I, he was in the lobby in Fort Wayne afterwards. Oh he was yeah, in high I school. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and he said this. Mike Thompson's out there in the lobby after the yeah. game, yeah. and he gets into it with three drunks. Yeah. and and they're mouthing off to the beat of the band that they're gonna do this this and this, and he said yeah, yeah, all of yeah. a sudden, here comes winger out of nowhere yeah. wearing nothing but a towel a towel yeah, yeah. and you <laughs> got in this guy's face and he said that dude, all three of them had nothing to say at that after that, but yeah. he said yeah he said you were fired up and ready to rumble yeah that's that's awesome you remember that I I
2: had lost memory of that um that. So exactly what he said, I remember I was just in the shower. I was, you know, a slower guy. I think I had some fights that night. You get pretty sore, right? I'm not. There's no point moving real fast. And I think Tom or maybe I had to go out and meet some people that were there. I had no, nobody to talk to or whatever. So it's so one of the last guys in the shower. And I, I'm real protective of my captain, Mike Thompson. He's a small guy, but I got a ton of respect for him. And more than once, I snapped in my life for, to protect that guy. And I was still with today if, I, if he ever needed it. So I'm in the shower, and some of my teammates just came thundering in there, winger, 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 and I'm like, "What the fuck? I'm naked!" So I'm like, "I gotta get dressed." They're like, there's no time; these guys are gonna attack Palmer. I'm like, "Oh, is that right, eh?" So I just grabbed a towel, cinched her on there, and fucking barefoot and everything, boof, out of the showers, out of the locker room, into the lobby, which is covered in hundreds, or if not thousands, of people. Yep, and he said it was I'm a big packed. yeller. I, I, I was a big yeller. And when I was mad, I was, when I was yelling. I don't think I looked very friendly. Um, so yeah, I, I told. I remember yelling at these guys. I remember no one wanted nothing, but it, I remember after the go when everything calmed down, and like you could have had, I don't know, you could have ten or twenty people could have turned on you, really, right?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, the hometown. But, yeah, they're not, the yeah, they're not going to take this from the uh, the visiting team. That's for sure. You could that yeah. it could have got real ugly yeah. real quick.
2: And, and, and you know what would have happened is that towel would have come off, and I would have been out there <laughs> fighting completely naked. Yeah, that's what would have happened. But, yeah. um I think my powers of intimidation,
0: um, came through, and those guys uh, they cut tail and headed out. <laughs> oh they did and Scott and Scott said it was hilarious and he's, he goes, I'm up against the wall and I'm uh, we're all looking at each other like, Holy shit, Winger like they you scared the whole lobby he said and uh but he said to his credit though, he goes after you got dressed and came back out, he goes, He, he signed all my hockey cards and was cool as shit so yeah he yeah. yeah, he said that from that's then on right. he goes, Winger was like my favorite player ever. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think you know, a lot of times that's happened, you know, you get in a fight and and then right away you can turn it off and you're just like completely normal and people are like, What the is going on? This guy was just being the shit out of people and now he's having a friendly conversation, like you said, signing autographs. And I can remember that happened in more than just there in my life and it's uh it's completely normal to me, but I don't think it's normal to everyone
0: else to see. <laughs> no, most people yeah, no. But uh, but he did say every time you came to town, he said you are always great with the fans. So yeah and, being, yeah, and yeah, like a Fort Wayne fan. I mean, obviously you know visitors or whatever. But he said you're always, yeah. he said you're always one of the better ones. because he goes there was a lot of assholes, but he goes winger was always cool. So that was cool. Yeah, you, you know I had run-ins with different fans. Uh, sometimes I would probably say
2: I was an asshole, but as long as you're cool, I'm cool. If you're not cool, if you're not cool, and you're acting inappropriately. I'm going to do the same thing. And they Fort Wayne was those were good fans. It was an awesome place to play. I always wish I played there, right? Like yeah, the well, arena, they yeah. renoled it,
0: and the huge crowds, and awesome place. Well, they would have loved you too. I mean, they always loved the tough hockey in Fort Wayne for sure. They always liked yeah, the tough and, guys. Yeah. And you know what?
2: I I remember play a lot of guys didn't like being the villain on the road or the bad guy, or because you know, whatever you got thousands of people now gearing for you and. I love being the villain. I thought I, I did such a good job at it. Like, so I always thought you could judge or rate a guy, a tough guy or a guy like me, you know, by how much you're loved at home and how much you're hated on the road. Yep. If no one hates you on the road, you're pretty irrelevant, right? Yep. If they, if they hate you while the game's going on, like you're relevant, you're doing something right. So, which is a funny story. I can tell you another one. Like you, like you said, you know, that, um, Things just keep getting jogged in my memory bank talking to you like this. But so it's Myra We played in uh, Binghamton, right? The BC Iceman. Yep. And um, so they hated me. Hated me. Obviously, I'm just going, being an animal down there. But the next year I come back to second year in Syracuse, we come to training camp. And now they're the Binghamton Senators in the American League, right? So, new franchise. But so they announced they're announcing it's the first preseason game of the year and we're in Binghamton and they announced the Syracuse roster and they're coming out and they can't believe it. My teammates, the coach in the American league they the fans are throwing shit and going boo, and Like they hate me. And the, the, the American guys are like, what did you do here? What happened? I'm like, ah, oh, it's a long story, you know, but just hated me. And my teammates were just, I remember them like, Jaws dropped, and the coach is like, "What did you do, man? Holy cow! They hate you." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. It's awesome." And people are like, "They they thought it." I don't know if they thought it was weird that I thought it was so awesome, but pretty cool. It was a pretty cool feeling.
0: Well, hey, as long as they know your name, right? You got like you said, you got to yeah. get something to note for them. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, well. So the following year after Elmira, the big year, you actually leave and you go back to Corpus Christi. Um, yeah in the central league so were you uh, uh just kind of had enough of Elmira and just wanted to get back to back to corpus or uh
2: yeah what happened there is um I was like I'm done out here in the snow in the yep. east. I'm never coming I'm never coming back I'm going back down to the beach gonna let, let, play it out um I ended up getting a trial I got sent to Houston in the American League yes. Started there, and um, I remember. Uh, I can't remember his Shaw. I don't remember his first name. I think he's the assistant coach. So yeah, that's right because uh, McClellan's the head coach, right? Kevin McClellan. Yep, he's the head coach. So, Brugard's there. got a couple other tough guys there too, like East Coast League guy. I can't remember his name, but Boogie's there. Meet Boogie. Um, I they just come from Minnesota. Um, To Houston. I come from playing a couple men's league games in (laughs) Seafield. Men's (laughs) league. Probably one of of the worst men's leagues in Canada. So I get down there and we open up in in Houston's camp. And I remember, I don't know, I think it was the first day. And the end of of the second skate, McCollum calls me over back and he's like, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good, man. He's like, are you not in very good shape? I'm like, no, I'm in excellent, awesome shape. He's like, well, what's the problem? I'm like, I started laughing. He's like, is it funny to you? I'm like, well, dude, you guys just came from Minnesota. I just came from Seattle Men's League. And he started having a chuckle. Uh, ends up putting me and Boogard in um, fat club, they call it. So you got two groups. One practices, then, other one practices, then you inter-squat at night. So he's got me and Boogie practicing both uh, in both skates. Both practices in the day. Then we have to do an extra bike session. And by fat club, I'm not fat. I'm just heavy. I don't have an ounce of fat on me. Boogie's like 270. I'm like 235. And they're like, you got to be 220. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get to 220. But after a couple of days, and we play a couple of exhibition games, Max like, okay, winger, you're good to go, man. <laughs> Those, uh, we're good. I'm like, thank you. And then I play in a couple of exhibition games against San Antonio, and next thing I do, I get called to the office. Um, Jim Lindsay, assistant GM of Minnesota, and Shaw and Mac are like, "Come, you got to come to the office." I'm like, "Okay." So I got a cab and I go to the office, and Jim Lynn's like, "Okay, Minnesota, we want to sign you." I'm like, "What?" Like in my head, I'm just like, "Okay, I've heard this before. Is this for real?" So they're telling me they want to sign me. Um Bruce, he's not quite ready for the show. Um they wanna I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So I end up going back to the hotel and Jim Lynn had to I had to meet him again. And so I call my dad and I tell him only my dad I go, Minnesota wants to sign me. You know, Don't tell anybody because I've had this before with all these other teams, you're here the rest of the year, and I'm I'm doubting that till it's done. Yeah. I'm doubting it. So what happened in Elmira is not a story I like to tell, but it's unfortunate. At the end of the year I got we were knocked out of the playoffs my second year and a guy named Thomas Clayton, do you may know his story? No. Do you know it? No. He's now in prison for life for arranging the murder of his wife in Elmira. Oh. Yeah. You can check it out online, Thomas Clayton, yeah, murder. Anyways, I never really liked the guy. American guy's from Niagara Falls. And Jerry Hickey's still alive then. So, second year in Elmira, we're rewinding to finish the year. We got knocked out by Fort Wayne. And we go to this place, this bar across the road called Z Boney's. And um, I'm at one bar, quiet side by myself. And uh, I guess Thomas Clayton was always a little ratty to me. I never liked the guy. Regardless, he's my teammate. Jerry Hickey comes over to me and says, uh, taps me on the shoulder, um, when your Clayton needs your help. I'm like, Clayton's going to help himself, Jerry. You, why don't you go help him? And, and Hickey's like, oh, I have a cast on. I can't. Look at Clayton. You need to help him. I look over, turn the seat around, I look. Thomas Clayton's got his pants down around his ankles with his junk hanging out, and he's, three, he's trying to st- pull his pants up, and these three guys are shoving him to the ground. And I'm like, oh, man, that looks kind of brutal. I don't know how it started or what happened. I'm watching for Ben, it's really embarrassing. So I'm like, Fuck, it is my teammate. So I walk over there and I shove the first guy with my left hand to the left and then I shove two more guys to the right so Clayton's can stand up and do his pants up. And I get sucker punched from the first guy that I shoved with my left hand, right in the nose. My nose is leaking. We engage in a fight on the bar floor, I thought it was about a seven second fight to be honest. And I landed probably five or six clean shots. Gets broken up because of the dance floor. I go back to the bar. The police come. I give a statement. Everything seems fine. Turns out these three guys are um, hired. they police cadets off duty. This Clayton was the who dropped his drawers and started dancing with bachelor at a bachelorette party. And these off duty cops and and I don't blame them. They they don't find it okay and they start pushing crates down and roughing them up. But the guy's got his junk hanging out, right? Yeah. So I'll, uh, I give my statement to the police. They're like, cool, thanks. I go home that night. I'm in my bed about 5 in the morning. My door gets um, just opened up, and there's these cops storm in, And, you know, I'm like, what is going on? They arrest me. I go to the Chemung County Jail. I'm getting checked in. And the guy checking me in, he's a big hockey fan. And he's like, hey, Winger, I, okay, I know who you are. watch all the games. He slides me a cell phone. He goes, I'll get in shit. You need to call someone in Canada and let them know what's going on. I don't know the charges or anything. So the guy lets me call my dad. I call my dad from the cell phone. It's like one of those old Motorola flip phones. <laughs> and he's like, I'm like, Dad, son, what What are you doing? I'm sleeping. I'm like, Dad, I'm in Shemong County Jail. Did you hear me? Shemong County Jail. If you don't hear from me in a week, you got to. And he's like, oh, son, poor guy. Super upset, right? But I got to tell him. So, locked me up. They charged me with a felony, which is just brutal. Like, it was a five-second fight. Um, I get a lawyer. A lawyer does it pro bono, Richie Rich, from Elmira, because he wants the, the recognition, the publicity. It's big in the media. Um, so, fast forward. That happens. In um, the end, I get a disorderly conduct for, which is a misdemeanor. Nothing. I have to write a public apology letter to this off-duty cop. Um, which I saw pictures of his face, and the guy had like two black eyes, a broken nose, and stitches in two spots. And I, I couldn't believe that I did that to that guy that quickly. I'd never had no idea. Um, you know, I felt kind of bad. Wrote my apology letter. It was all let go, but it wasn't let go at this time when Minnesota wanted to sign me and they do their character reference check. And that's what they, Winger, if you're already in our organization, we would sign you and take you. But And I'm like, but it's not going to go through. I've been talking to my lawyer. Like, this felony is going to go away. They maliciously prosecuted me, over-prosecuted. And they're like, we're sorry, Winger, we would have loved to have you, but we can't can't bring you in under the circumstances. Turns out it's a discon. I write an apology letter, which I have my buddy, Jeff Bumstead, tough guy Jeff Bumstead. He's an Ivy Leaguer, so real good with the, with the pen and paper and the words and he writes me the the apology yeah Yeah. and at that time I'm not so good with words and so forth so I lose my opportunity right there brutal now now Jerry Hickey's dead passed away rest in peace and Thomas Clayton the guy I'm standing up for is in prison for life in upstate New York for murdering his wife or having arranged for murder um the worst thing happened was I really liked Todd Brost at the time my coach completely threw me under the bus Gave it the old, Brad's a professional hockey player. He should know better. Like, no better than what? No better than what? These guys are the first guys to tell me to go on the ice and stick up for Mike Thompson or make sure no one fucks with my team on the ice. But off the ice, I'm not supposed to look after these guys. I'm just supposed to let them. Let that happen. The guy I don't even like, but he wears the same banner. He wears the same jersey as me. He's got his nuts and his cock and balls hanging out, getting shoved around. I'm supposed to just let that go? I just it's real hard mentally to deal with, especially yeah. that that um, that scenario where I lost a potential. Uh, well, obviously I was going to sign with the sign a two way with Minnesota, and that's yeah. gone forever. Lost.
0: Yeah.
2: So th- mentally tough on a guy, man.
0: Well, I was going to say at that point, um, yeah. So you go down to Corpus. Is that um, yeah. like? Are you just bitter at that point? Like, are you? Wondering, yeah, I'm
2: bitter. Like, so. After losing the contract with Minnesota, so then uh, Houston goes, "Well, we want to sign you to a two-way." I'm like, "I'm not. I'm not. Why would I sign a two-way? I'm already signed in uh, in Corpus Christi, which is your Double A affiliate. I'm already going there. I have a contract there that pays more than you're going to offer me, anyways. And then I'm only limited to to going to Houston whenever they need me on a rental cost basis. Where if I just go to Corpus. Um, I can get called up by any American League team if I so choose. And you should sort have of seen the look on these guys' face. It was they're like, Are you serious? I'm like, Yeah, I'm serious. I'm not signing with you on a two way. I'm already down there. If you need me on an intern basis, go ahead and try. But I'm now a free agent to the American League. And I don't think they've ever had anyone tell them that before. No, I'm not signing that. <laughs> <laughs> so in that year I got called up at the end of the year to Houston. And I was, again, I had, I was scheduled for a nose surgery the next day. And I'm like, no, I'm good. And the guy's like, seriously, Winger, you're not going to come. I'm like, no, you guys had your chance to sign me to a one way the start of the year. You didn't want to do it. I'm not coming. So they ended up um, bringing Billy Tibbetts up for their playoff run in Houston, who did something really, I can't remember what he did, but he got arrested and charged and thrown in jail in Houston that year. So pretty funny.
0: Well, Tibbets. I mean, the trouble just follows that guy. Um, yeah, and, and it's a shame because he's actually he's a he's a talented player. I mean, guy's yeah, got he's und- a good player. I, oh yeah, yeah. And it's just but he just yeah. you know just a shit magnet, right? Um, yeah,
2: I played against him and when he was in Wilkesbury quite a few. And yeah, he was a good player when he wanted to play. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah.
0: Well, well, yeah,
2: you know, I was I was fed up with the American League and their and all that and just crushed from the experience with um. Minnesota being that close and being told that they're going to sign me, Um, I wish they didn't maybe say that, but it was pretty exciting at the time. But I'm glad I also chose to only share that with my dad and not anyone else. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'm like, let's go back down to the beach, right? Let's go. Love Corpus Christi. Um, Ended up getting married that year to my longtime, um, my childhood girlfriend, Sarah. Uh, um, got married in Corpus Christi, so that was pretty awesome. Loved the town. Swore I'd never go back up north
0: again. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that did, that that didn't last long. But before we leave no. Corpus that year, you uh, yeah. you actually fight Jerry Hickey a couple times. You fight yeah. Bobby Chad Mitchell a bunch of times. Dion I Hyman him a beating. Hyman, yeah. Uh, Schmeer Schmear, Darcy Smith. Um, did you, hang, did you hang one on Bobby Jad? How big time, man. Shut his eye right up. He, We had a good
2: player, Mike Tilson, hard-nosed defenseman, but wasn't much in the fighting. And a couple games before, he just sucker-punched him in uh, Laredo. And oh, it was coming, man. He knew it was coming. Their whole team was shit-scared. I remember in Corpus that game, standing out in the hallway where Laredo had to walk by, yelling at them. No shirt on, yelling at their whole team, letting them know Bobby Chad's going to get it. Anyone else? And I remember coming out, and Mike Amadeo was a good up-and-coming kid, tough guy, good player. And I couldn't get it. I wasn't on the ice with Bobby Chad yet. I asked Amadeo, I said, hey, man, you want to have a go? He's like, no, I'm not fighting you. I'm like, you you tell Bobby Chad he doesn't have a choice and tell him to get his ass out here. And he said, I will do. I'll let him know. And I uh, had three fights that game, lit up Bobby Chad with a left. I caught him actually in his left eye, which is strange with a left hook, but the way I had him twisted, and just dropped him, shut his eye. And I think I jumped him again just for shit and giggles, and I remember punching him, blood just splattered. And then uh, Hyman, he was kind of gritty. I'd fought him earlier. He gave me a slash in the back of the legs, and I just didn't know he squaring off. I just grabbed him and just started beating the car out of him. So it was a good game in Corpus. I can remember that one. Three and done. So definitely, I think I gave them the message, don't be cheap shot our players. I think they got it loud and clear.
0: Did you do that a lot, the intimidation thing before games? Did you, like, I know there somebody had Segroya Yeah. And he was talking about he'd go shirtless and, like, tape a stick on the bench during, like, during their warm-up and just stare at them. Did you do that stuff?
2: Yeah, a little bit of it. I like to, um, well, I know that's how... And now, Myra, the hallways are, the two rooms are in the same hallway, so you can look down it. And uh, I never had met really new Chucker, Marty Mallochuk, before that. And I came out, did my stick, with my shirt off, and he asked someone he knew on his team, he's like, dude, who is that? And they're like, oh, that's a Winger. And he's like, holy shit, the guy, you know, I'm biting him right away. So they came and told me. So me and Marty fought off the opening draw of the game. So, um, you know, I did a little bit. Um, I mostly like to, I really like, you know, after the anthem goes, and if you're starting, I like to go up and skate up and down their bench and let them know what, what they got coming, especially in Danbury. Um, just skate up and down their bench before the puck drops, just screaming at them, let them know, it's, it's on tonight. Um, so, yeah, I like to do a little bit of that. More so as you get older, right? I wasn't really doing that as a in the first couple of years. You'd get, you get, uh, it wouldn't go well for you then. But unless you gain confidence and gain experience and um, skill, I would like to do that from time to time, you bet.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of Danbury, uh, uh, the, of course, the stories are, are, are legendary. <laughs> um, and, in fact, yeah. there's, a, there's a movie being made uh, yeah. a, about that and everything. But, you, you know, and, I mean, you got Morasti, yourself, uh, Roman uh, Ender, Burnett, Belanger, Wagner, Bialois, on and on, one guy'd get suspended, another guy'd come in. Yeah. You you have it's to good. have some crazy stories of Danbury playing with the Trashers. And how did the well, owner the Galantis treat you and uh, what was your ex- yeah. for the two years that you were there, how was your experience in Danbury?
2: Like just to sum it off and then we'll get into detail is the greatest time of my life. My mine and my wife's my family's young life, like I'll never forget those years ever the greatest experience i've ever had in hockey and it was awesome just awesome oh you know so there'll yeah there'll be something coming out i can't really talk a whole lot about it next spring you'll see it but um i just had the honor of uh, my wife and i flew back to danbury in uh, late august there for for a quick quick um stay i can't say why but you guys will figure it out some spring and um I had an opportunity there to um, run into my old boss and owner, uh, Jimmy Galante, and uh, just one of the greatest men that um, I ever met, and what a character, and treated my family and I so well. My They gave us, my oldest son was born there. Jacob was born in Danbury. Um, he's a dual citizen. Um, you know, it's not free for um, childbirth in the U.S. You're looking at like 30 Ds, and yep. Jimmy Galante and the Trashers, they paid for all that. Um Awesome. Yeah, it's just unreal. There's so many stories from there. I'll forget more stories than I'll remember from <laughs> there. But the car- Jeff State was there. Uh, I met John Morasti; he's one of my best friends in the whole world. We're still in touch. I still talk to Rooms. You know, um, uh, Hickey was there for a bit. Yep. Um, yeah, the Wagner incident with Mark Potman. Um, just what a. Uh, uh, who else? Uh, Jared Burnett.
0: Yep. Steve, we
2: fight all the time. Stephen Pete. I brought Stephen Pete there. Where uh, I met Stephen Pete fighting him in junior in Langley, and it was during the NHL lockout. And we got Petey there for bed. Is Pete's having a bit of a rough time now, but uh, what a tough guy, what a good guy. Um, hopefully he gets his life turned around at some point. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, Jared Burnett is a guy that. I I hated, like, well, I didn't hate I hated him. He was dirty. Like, I remember first fighting Bernie in the American League, and he two-handed me so hard in the back of the knee. To, and then we fought. And I'm in the penalty box screaming at him. Like, you don't need to fucking slash me, you cheap whatever. I won't get into any more words than that. But, like, just ask me to fight. And after that, we just looked at each other every time and fought. And then to play with Bernie was actually the assistant coach, player assistant coach. And I'm like, I remember Bernie telling me, I'm like, hey, shut up, man. I'm not listening to you. Like, <laughs> not a very good hockey player. No. But definitely a big guy. Um, yep. It's good. He had a little bit of balance issues, but, um, Buck, you could put your lights out. Look at Ryan Vandenbush in the show there. Lights out. Put him to sleep, right? So he always ha- has that potential to put you in lights out. And I know Bernie from skating in pro camps in Vancouver, Alberta V8 rinks in the summertime. So huge human being. Huge yep so and I remember uh something happened on the ice um between Burnett and he had you know how many tough guys we had there, but he had one practice he had uh, four or five of them going after him, and i I wasn't part of it. I don't know what happened, but somehow I became the mediator, no, I didn't always like Bernie, and I liked these other guys better. I felt bad that there was possibly going to be a gang beating during practice on the ice, <laughs> It kind of held everyone back. And I got Bernie off the ice and out of there. Yeah. And turns out Bernie was living with, the, staying with the Galantes, and um, you know these are mafiosa people. You don't want to yeah, mess yeah. around, but the great people, great people, love them. But Bernie grabs um, Roseanne Galante's laptop and starts ringing up the fucking porn on it. <laughs> So she goes to go on her computer, and there's all this porn. And then uh, I don't know what Jimmy did. Started Bernie would start disappearing, and we, you know, he's giving out cars and everything for us there. And he tracked one of Burnetts put a tracker on his car and found out he sh- was places that he shouldn't have been. That's really all I'll say about that. And they ended up getting rid of him. But nonetheless, great experience. Every night something could go off. Um, just the, you know, they had, well um, obviously, who was the, um, Sterling was the coach the first year, not a very experienced coach, and not sure he should have been coaching pro hockey, but good guy. Um, we called him SpongeBob SquarePants. He had one of the biggest asses you'll ever see. <laughs> but, um, and his dad was a longtime New York Islanders head coach there, I think, for a while. Yep. Um, so they gave him the opportunity, and, um, Luckily, we had a veteran lineup, some good guys: Brent Gretzky, Jim <laughs> Duarte. Um, there's more than that: Bruce Richardson, um, Jeff Daw, Mike Rupp came in. Mike Rupp, yep. Um, so,
0: and I ended up breaking my leg that year, real bad.
2: Wow, this is and, I'm gonna get uh, into.
0: Josh Helsinga, correct? Yeah,
2: yeah, we'll get into that one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. we'll start. So half. So I believe it's December third. I believe. Right. Yeah um helzinga like would he knee you or something um no slew, slew foot slew foot right 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 so uh, yeah and then puts you out for the year yeah yeah well it should have been my career that's what the doctors were me. but
2: unfortunately at 23 i shattered my leg really bad in um corpus christi so let's say shattered my leg it was um broke uh, my tibia at my skate boot a spiral fracture down on my ankle uh, broke my fibula up high just under my knee. So I've already had one of these shattered legs, right? And they put a titanium 15-inch rod through your tibia, and they screw your ankle back together. My first one, I had about six screws in it, one through, under the knee, so you're looking at seven screws and a titanium rod. So i already been through that. Um, and this one was Elzinga. So lucky I got off to a good start my first year in Danbury. Um I think I was on pace for something 100. like 28, go- twenty-eight goals and seven hundred and something penalty minutes. If you play a full eighty-game season, which it was, yep. So you can figure out the stats. I think I played eleven games and seven goals, four assists, and 176-something. And,
0: yeah, one hundred seventy-six.
2: So that's at the was that the twenty-game mark,
0: maybe? Yep, twenty games, seven yeah. goals, four assists, 176
2: So there you minutes. go. Yep, quarter. So times that by four, not likely I would ever play a full season due to suspension anyways. But on pace for a pretty incredible year, actually. Would imagine that? Seven hundred plus minutes.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, it would been, cool. been pretty tough on that. You'd have to you know, that's a problem when you got that many guys, you'd be standing in line waiting for people. <laughs> yeah. But
2: you had the green light from the owner to go do what I do, right? Yeah like running goalies that deserve it, <laughs> just going a little haywire. They uh sort of, you don't even have a leash when, more so, uh, you know, when you're on the road, I guess, because the coach doesn't have to incline to play you as much. Yeah. But at home, the owner wants to see his man on the ice fucking people up. <laughs> yep. So that was good. But um, the other thing, I um so what happened, that was back in the day still, right? When you, you dump the puck in and you remember the weak side D would hold up for the guy going back to get the puck. Yep. Which you can't do anymore. Nope. Um, so my biggest thing was I started so many hockey games, and this wasn't the start of the game though, but because of that purpose to dump it in and me to run the shit out of you their team and scare them, right? So this was later in the I just scored a goal. Great pass by Brent Gretzky and might have been the same shift after scoring, but we dumped the puck in, and I go to forecheck, and Elzinga's the whole thing is the holdup defenseman, and he has his cross check up, and it comes up and clips me in the mouth. So, you know, I stop, and I'm like, fuck, a little bit of blood. And so I'm like, dude, let's go. And he's like, I'm not fighting you. I'm like, yeah, we're fighting. Let's go. I'm yelling at him, and he's like, I'm not fighting you. I'm like, keep your stick down. Or you're not going to have a choice. I'm screaming at him. And he's like, okay, okay. And I turn the skate away, and this guy grabs me by the back of my jersey and boots me in the back of my legs, and my left skate gets cut underneath me, and just, I guess the whole arena could hear it just crack and pop. And I knew from breaking my other leg before, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, not again. And sure enough, when I'm laying on my back on the ice, I look down at my foot. My toes should be pointed towards the sky. Well, my toes are flopped over to the left completely flat, and I'm like, fuck, here we go again, man, unbelievable, so, there we go, second stretcher ride to the SmackDown Hotel, off I go, so, you know, that takes a toll on a guy, man, it takes a toll on your body, so, um, I don't know, at that time, how many surgeries I've had, I know how many I've had now, I've had 17 to try to repair my body, and it's not in very good shape, let's say,
1: yeah <laughs>
2: And I believe that that one from El Zinga was the start, the beginning of the end for me. Um, you know, I came back and all that, but I never played a full season again, I don't think. So the last year I played a full season of hockey would have been in um, Corpus Christi.
0: Yep.
2: Yeah. So that's so the how hard, of the end yeah, So,
0: I mean, obviously that rehab throughout the summer was probably just brutal. Did... um. Did you think you were going to play at all? Or would you? Well, I thought I was because the doctor told me
2: that that's a career ending injury. This is the second time I heard this. Yeah. Career ending, you can't play anymore. I'm like, oh, yeah? Like, that's honestly the type of person I am. I just need someone to tell me that. I can't play again, eh? Because I know the doctors now, they're they're giving you the worst case scenario because they have to. But me, I'm the type of guy that's like, you don't. He's not deciding if I can play hockey again. I'm deciding if I can play hockey again. And so, I remember hitting the rehab so hard that actually by before the season was over in playoff time, I was actually skating at practice again. But I couldn't. I was. I wasn't able to play. But I was out on the ice skating. So pretty incredible.
0: Did you stay in Danbury the whole time? No, I wanted to.
2: We, the Glanti set us all up on lake in a private gated community in houses on the lakes, Candlewood Lake, in New Fairfield. So I'm like, oh, we should stay for the summer. So I'm like, oh, I'll just go see, uh, ask the landlord who we became friends with, what he charges for rent. And it's like, for June and July and August, it's like 10,000 US a month rent. So I'm like, yeah. Okay. So we went home. Um, I had to come back in the summer to have the hardware removed from my yeah. legs yeah. because they don't like to keep that. Because if you get, tra- have severe trauma again, it's even if it gets mangled, the leg, you see, it's, you're done because the hardware is in there. So I came back for 10 days and stayed with the Galantes and, you know, was, uh, lived at their house with them and me and AJ, we got along real good. I love the kid. Um, you know, eighteen-year-old GM. Some people might be like, "That's a joke. It's not real." Let me tell you, the kid did his job, due diligence, and though he was, you know, not many eighteen-year-olds are going to get that opportunity. The guy deserved the opportunity, and did his job really well. And it was um, we got along great, and we had just wars on uh, playing NHL hockey. <laughs> You'll say he was better than me, but like I'll tell you right now. Like, uh, I had at least a 750 winning percentage against him. I'm not (laughs) afraid to say that. So, it was great to um, see him this August. Um, I got to see him. Um, I got to see uh, Jimmy Galante, AJ, and uh, our old equipment manager, T-Bone Tommy Pompasello, who is just, uh, he's he's just quite the character, man. This guy's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy funny.
0: So, oh, I mean the stories are yeah. out there, and I'm I'm so looking forward to the movie, and I mean that'll be great, and or the documentary or whatever's coming, but uh, that yeah, yeah, that'll be so cool. Um, well, so well, obviously the next year you you play the 36 games, but of course, I mean you got to have that game with Elzinga circled, and uh, Ab- abso- absolutely, it's how how are you um, just like you probably just coming out of your skin that night to kill this guy.
2: I was, uh, yeah, very quiet, very to myself, very <laughs> focused. And what I didn't want to do is, um, I didn't want to come right out of the right out of the gates and do it. I wanted to see. Yeah, I like that. Um, what do you call it? What would I say? The anticipation build up.
0: Yeah. Well, but I'm going to cut you off just for a sec. Did the obviously the league knows this shit's going down. Did anybody from the league step in and say, hey? Like, did they say anything to you?
2: No, I probably wouldn't have talked to Brassell or what was the other guy's name? Richard, uh, what, do you remember?
0: No, I don't remember.
2: I, I don't know. They might have tried contacting us, but I don't think uh, Jimmy probably would um, never sent a message or wouldn't let them talk to me. So I never heard from the league. Okay, I don't think they probably contacted the Trashers, but there's no way Jimmy Galante is telling me not to not to go and get exact revenge. I'll well, tell you yeah. that. Not a chance. These guys had the camera set up. You can see on the video, they were prepared to make it super little so the league could get minimum off the video to suspend me. So obviously you've watched, obviously watched the YouTube video, I'm sure. Yep. So they were all set to shrink that video so no one could see what was going on. And trust me... <laughs> There was some extra stuff going on, but anyways, I didn't want to get right to it. You wanted to kind of build the anticipations. maybe let Kalamazoo think that uh, oh, maybe nothing's going to happen. I mean, what's the rush? We got sixty minutes here, right? <laughs> yeah, I know what's going to happen, and but I eventually, I just couldn't hold on with it any longer. And um, I thought I picked a good, pretty good spot to attack them. I let the play go back up ice. Tell you one thing that saved uh, Elzing a little bit was their goalie. I think his name was Joel Martin. Didn't take into account the goalie jumping in on me. So oh. they give kudos to the goalie jumping in because I waited for pretty much the rest, except for me and Elzing, to move up ice. So you got eight guys on the other end and me and Elzing on one end. I'm like, going to take a little bit of time here to do some work on this guy. So Martin got in there, which is good for him, but um, you know, in the end, I didn't see him leaving on a stretcher. And I know I said in, a, in an interview before, which really rattled a bunch of people, that I would like to see him leave on a stretcher in a body bag. Well, that's the fucking truth. That guy cheated me right out. He didn't need to do that. Yep. So I still believe that I owe that guy. If I ever come across of him. Obviously, I, I'm not that type of person anymore. I have to think about who I am as a coach and a hockey director, and I have kids, but it is in the back of my head that we're even. I don't think we're even. I didn't see his leg break.
0: Did he, no. uh, when it happened, did he ever reach out to you at all? Never. Yeah.
2: The only person that reached out when I was in the hospital was uh, my owner, brought his address to where he lives. I believe it's somewhere else in Illinois. <laughs> and asked, do I need to send some people to visit this guy? Which I declined and said I would really like to do it myself if it comes down to. It. <laughs> nice. And I will see which owner that was.
0: Uh, we're all good. It's all good. It's, uh, yeah, well, well, there you go. There's uh, Well, before, the, uh, before we leave Danbury, there's a couple. I know you had a couple tilts with uh, Matt Goody as well. Oh yeah,
2: three in one night. Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: big dude. How'd those go? Good, 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 good fights. Um,
2: I probably shouldn't. At the end, I let him off the hook on the third one, but his face was just battered. I, I don't remember being a nice guy like that, but well, when I was hitting him, blood was splashing in my face too, so it was kind of nasty. And he's a younger guy. I thought. I think you got a. He might have got a tryout with the Boston Bruins from that, off of that, and then played in Providence, I believe. So, but I, again, he wasn't much of a player, but big guy, tough, tough kid, tough kid. I hit him with a, I hit him with some everything I had, pretty much. He's still standing there, so good for him.
0: Well, and another fight I just wanted to throw at you, just uh, some Chris Shaw character. I think we uh-huh. heard a, we heard of him. How did that one go? Yeah, <laughs> Shazi, Shazi,
2: so, yeah, me and Shazi go way back, Um, just to sort of set the record here. um, I was in that that 28-year-old year year in Corpus Christi, so I had my contract, I had a beautiful apartment right on on Padre Island on the beach, two-bedroom apartment because I had a bunch of people coming, I had my dad coming down for the year, I had my older brother coming, I had my... Um, wife, Sarah, which we weren't married yet for a month. So I had my contract, a two-bedroom apartment. And um, front office lady calls me and tells me, we've got this rookie coming in. He's going to stay with you. And I'm like, no! Look in the contract! We get in a little bit of a fight. And I'm like, it's my own place. So they're like, well, I'll just be temporary. I'm like, alright. So right off the bat, you know, on the hair on my neck's kind of standing up. I'm like, who's this fucking guy? And, um, you know, you'll have to talk to Shazzy about it at some point, but, um, so it's this kid who, Shazzy's I'm 28, eight-year veteran, and I think he's 21 or whatever, just out of BC League and maybe uh, Niagara University or whatever, that didn't work out for him. Big guy, but he's from the same neck of the woods I'm from. Yep. You know, He's from uh, the, great, the greater Vancouver area. So, we get talking, and I'm like, pretty good guy. Pretty good guy here. So me and Shazi became pretty good friends. And Unfortunately for Shazi, he's a tough guy, big guy. He's a hockey player, though, too, and he can hold his own. Um, I would get... Uh, this is kind of funny. I'm sure everyone will find this highly entertaining. So it's the first time this ever happened to me, but um, I would be on the bench in Danbury, and the equipment manager, Tommy T-Bone Pompasolo, he would bring me a... Flip phone, another one of those Motorola flip phones, on the bench. I'd say, all well, the game's going on. I'm like, T-Bone, I can't take the phone. He's like, take the fucking phone, look up. I look up to the owner's box. There's Jimmy standing on the rail, tossed away from our bench. Oh, I had him in a phone in his hand, waving it around. So I'm like, oh, shit. So I grabbed the phone. I'm like, what's up, boss? He's like... Number two goes down now. I'm like, all right. I look. Guess he wearing number two. I think it was for uh-huh. Shaw, Shawzi. I'm like, oh my God. I'm going to kind of feel sick to my stomach, but what has to be done has to be done, right? So I go out there I give Shawzi the heads up. He's in not very happy about the situation. Um, we drop the gloves, we fly at it. I think so as he stepped on a banana peel or something.
1: <laughs>
2: but um, down he goes. So then this started being more and more happening, the phone call on the bench, right? Oh, another time I get the phone call. I forget. I think he said 22 goes down. It's a draw in the neutral zone, so just underneath Jimmy's side of the ice, across from the benches. And uh, so I tell this guy, hey, bud, this puck drops. We're going at it. He's like, fuck you, I'm not fighting you. I'm like, no, you don't have any choice here. You see the man, you know the man up there? I point up. he's like, yeah, am might like, comes from him, the guy's like, no, man. I'm like, yep, get ready, puck's going to drop, so I back off a bit, and I'm watching to see where the puck drops. Puck hasn't dropped yet. This guy drops his gloves and just starts firing them off my face. And then I'm like, yep, I deserve that. Wasn't. Wasn't aware. wasn't watching him. Right, I'm waiting for the puck to drop. So I ate about three or four. I wish I could remember the guy's name, but I can't. But <laughs> I was like, Fuck, "That's my bad. I should have been ready for that." And, I, and he wasn't. He was a middleweight fighter. He wasn't a heavyweight. But um, when we flew at it, I think I caught him with a pretty good one. Down he went, over and done. But very good story because I ate, about, ate a few there again. <laughs>
0: I'm just loving the phone call. The bench and getting the getting the word out. That's tremendous. Uh, yeah. How? Uh, I, I know you briefly played with Marasty. uh He was there in, in yeah. the second year there, but I think he, I believe he didn't get along with Gillis, and he he bolted to the Quebec League. But uh, yeah, He yeah, so came at
2: the end of the he came at the end of the first year, and then came back at the yeah. start of the second year.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm just thinking, man, Morasti and winger on the wings. That's just tremendous. Yeah. That's tremendous right there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's good stop. But me and John always stayed in touch, and
2: to this day, I still talk to him. You should actually have him on. I don't well, it, know if you talk to him. But... It's coming. Yeah, I
0: know John. Uh... So
2: you got him. Um, you should. You know, you got Chris Shaw, yep. another good friend of mine that I own New Angle Hockey with, and is right as a warrior himself is Ryan Hallwig. Yeah, so not only a major leaguer but a minor leaguer and a, a European elite league legend. I think we'll, uh... the, sh- the sheriff of Pilsen. You got to watch that <laughs> clip on YouTube. And watch this guy, and he plays a mean guitar, man. Real? Okay. So, yeah, like he would do it in Europe. They would have him the guitar, he'd go on the ice in front of eight thousand people, and you know, was one of his favorite songs, of Sweet Home Alabama." But also a
0: tough man in his own right, too. Well, I'll definitely have to. Uh, we have to use. Uh, I'm going have to use my winger contacts here, and uh, yeah, and get these characters sure. on. But uh, yeah,
2: I've already, I've already set it up for you. I've already broken the ice. They're, they're all
0: in. Yeah, well, I talked to Sean on Twitter a few times, so yeah, we're we'll definitely yeah. Uh, get something going. But uh, yeah. so, while well, Danbury's. So now, so you go from one one circus to now the Quebec League will wrap up your career here. You played the two seasons in Sherbrooke. Yeah, how did you end up? I mean, they obviously had to have been getting you. I know they were trying to get you there for a while, and I know oh. they were throw. And I know they were throwing big money offers at you. Yeah. What finally yeah. made you go to? well, obviously, obviously the money. But did yeah. were you uh, the money? Yeah, well, of course, yeah. <laughs> what, what was your impressions of the league? And uh, like, were you just like, "What did I get myself into?" No, or? no. It's uh, it was on my bucket list. I had to it, I had to um, go through that league
2: before I ended my career. I already made a pact with myself. Yeah, that um, you know, if you want to. If you want to become legend or you want to cement your legacy, you have to go to the toughest place on the planet of whatever you're doing, and that this time it's hockey. And the LNH is the was or is the world's toughest hockey league, and something that I had to go experience for myself. Well, taking a very um, good payday.
0: To, uh, well, we're not going to get it. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to ask you your taxes or anything. But yeah. well, I will I will ask you this though: Did they pay you everything they said they were going to pay you?
2: Um, I got. You, or I did got
0: you get stiffed at the over. end?
2: I got no, I, not at the end. I got stiffed um, when I came under um, injury. Mm-hmm. Um, now I was supposed to get full salary, and they just said, um, "Well, you're hurt. Um, you get fifty percent." or we? He did the tear. We tear up contract. Yeah. I'm like, cool, man. That's awesome. But I'll tell you what, that um, I had a shoulder surgery and a finger surgery there, and um, which I end up losing uh, one of, tip of one of my fingers in that league. So I'll always remember the Quebec League because I'm missing a pinky finger. What happened? <laughs> but um, well, forty man brawl. I don't really know what happened. <laughs> There's forty dudes fighting for their fighting for their lives, and um, um, you're trying to survive and. Yeah. You go to the dressing room after it's all done and the adrenaline wears off, and I'm like, oh, my finger hurts. And you look down and your finger is fucking ripped and it's not torn, like it's not blood, it's not open gas, but it's mangled and twisted all the wrong way and bent the wrong way. And you're like, ooh, that doesn't look good. So, I ended up having a surgery and it got infected and I got hospitalized. Um, years later when I was done hockey, I, my first job I took, which I don't know why I took this job, was a prawn fish fawn fisherman where you're uh, stacked license where you're working like 22 hours a day and I'd be in the freezer stack and stuff and I got frostbite all in my hand, my finger, that finger in particular turned black Um, then years later I did concrete flat work for a long time and you're handling um, steel poles on different tools in the freezing cold and frostbite again and just nothing but trouble with that finger until I finally went to a hand specialist where he removed it thank god so wouldn't let me keep it. I wanted to keep the tip, but he took it from me. My tongue. Yeah.
0: Well, when you were playing it, I've, I've heard the stories. I've talked to guys, you know, Swanson. I had friends coaching the league and stuff. Um, yeah. Did you guys get the uh, envelope in the room and told to let's start this brawl? Did you get, ever get that one?
2: Uh, You know what? I'll play a funny story. Well, my first game in the Quebec League, I'd never been in a bench-clearing brawl before. Uh, my very first game. We're playing Saint John, which is probably the world's toughest hockey team. They're, they're the Chiefs, yep. slap shot, not a friendly place. Huge crowd, very violent. Um, very first game there. Uh, so Steve Bossy was the supposed the cream of the crop there. Went on to have a pretty good UFC career. Yep. Um, went on went on now to be a pro boxer, and this guy was all the talk. So my first shift, I'm um, out against Bossy. I mean. I've been doing this for a long time now. So, of course, you know, what do we do? Yep. What do we do when the opportunity presents? We fly at it, but not a, not a great fight. Bossy actually loses his footing and goes down. Um, it's on video. You can find it somewhere. Not a not a great fight. Not by my doing. I didn't try to, to um, throw him on the ice. That's not my style. But anyways, that's what happened. Then bench clearing brawl starts. Um, a lot of tough guys are kicked out. I'm still in the game. And, um, you know, this led to probably, I wasn't much of a stick guy, but this led to where I beat a guy with a stick. You probably I don't know if you've seen the pictures of it. Like I, I do have the Sharp. picture of it, yep. Yeah, Andrew Sharp, I don't know who this kid is. He's a nobody, he's nothing. But I find out he's from uh, my neck of the woods, from Langley. Yep. Um. So, anyways bench, fought bossy, bench-clearing brawl. I can't remember who I was tangled up with then. Um, No memory other than fighting in a bench-clearing brawl. First one, first game. So I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Anyways, um, their coach decides to chirp me while the game's going on. So I'm like, fuck you. Like, who are you, man? Who are you, bud? Never heard of you. Chirping them back, going back and forth. And late in the third, we get a power play and I go for the stretch guy. So when I say stretch guy, I'm on the far blue line looking for that breakaway break breakaway pass on the PP set breakout. I come across the blue line towards St. John's bench, but I'm looking back to the left to my goal, hoping that I'm going to get a breakaway pass. Well, this coach must have said Andrew Sharp, off the bench, there was no player substitution or anything. He just jumped on the ice, skated at me and completely sucker punched me when I didn't even see it. So Boom, I'm dropped. I go to get up. I get onto my knees, and I see that I'm dizzy. I can barely stand up. I see him fell. He fell with the sucker punch, and he gets up and throws off all his gloves. And uh, so I stand up, and I'm like, is this guy serious right now? Like, you think you can do that to me? And he comes skating at me with his gloves off, and just I saw he had his helmet off, so there's no point in hitting him over the head. So I just brought down that orange Easton I think I was using at the time. Stephen Pete's <laughs> sticks, actually. And uh, I get him right in the side of the neck. Boom. Well, wow, that guy, he was lights out. He was I don't know if he's having a seizure or what he was doing, but um, I was still pissed. So I can remember actually picking up a linesman, like WWF style, and like body slamming him just to land a couple of haymakers on this kid while he's down on the ice. And gave it to him pretty good. And I've read stories about his version of the events. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to run into him one day in the lower mainland of, in Vancouver. No, I'm not to say I'm going to fight the guy, but I got some words for this guy to tell him. Why don't you start telling the real story, how it went down? And thankfully for you, you've now given me that opportunity to tell the real story. And if that guy wants to contest that, I'm willing to meet up and talk about it over a coffee any day, anywhere. So there we go.
0: Well, there, well, there, there we do go, yeah. Well, um, yeah, well, like you said, that uh, you know when you have boss, yeah, and I mean Bossé eh, and Cote and Matthew Rabi. I mean, you fought all those guys, um, yeah. Just, um, just overall, what? Uh, well, and just throw some names at you that you fought. Uh, you know, another guy that uh, I know we've had guests on in the Quebec League and fans and talk about. And the one name that doesn't come up very often, but this guy played there forever, undersized, but the dude was tough, was uh, Manny Frechette. Oh, I got a
2: great Manny Frechette story. And He oh. was, he, he's tough like Marasty, just yep. probably not as powerful.
0: Yep. Oh, him so, and John had some great fights, yep. Yeah.
2: So it was my first, um, so I had that shoulder surgery, they cut my celery in half until I like, could get back in the finger. And I got back, pretty quick obviously I wanted that rehab and get back to full pay I think it was a he was there paying me a couple grand a week and yep. pay for we had a brand new apartment um, we just we had Jacob who was just a baby um, our good friends um, um, Belonger, Oh, my buddy I can't remember Jesus, Ange and Frederick Belanger lived below us that so we played with in Danbury yep and their their little girl Audrey, so it was awesome to be with those guys. And we were in um, Lenoxville, which is uh, actually in Bishop University. There, said English speaking part of Sherbrooke. Perfect. So, so we lived there, right? And um, I'm sort of losing track of where we were. What were what was I getting at? What was the question?
0: Oh, for Manny Forchet.
2: Freshette. So yeah, Manny Forchet. So I just had these surgeries, and I hadn't been. I haven't been playing for, I guess, six weeks or so. I'll um, rehab back, and we first came back in St. Hyacinth, and I didn't ask Manny. Manny asked me, but I'm like a, a pretty good guy to come back off these injuries and test them out. I think. Yeah. Manny wanted to go, and so me and Manny fly at it. Pretty good fight. I feel pretty good about myself. Um, one of the, I, one thing I don't usually fall on the ice. Very rarely. Found out more so in the Quebec League. I was just off balance, you know. I don't usually get like that. But I went down by Manny, not through a punch, but through that after we fought a while. But at one point, Manny was, I had him in a clinch, pulled him in and given him some uh, dirty boxing in tight, some uppercuts and stuff. And Manny went to the body with about five body shots. And at the time, I thought they were pretty funny. And uh, at least I fell down good fight, good fight, we see each other, I go to the box, I'm sitting in the penalty box to see ice, and then my gut starts rumbling, I'm like, oh, this, what is that? By the time five minutes was up, man, like, I'm not kidding you, I had to race across the ice, run to the dressing room, I'm tearing off my gear, not, this is not a word of a lie, I had to get to the toilet, sit down, and oof, it just dropped out, man, the guy actually <laughs> knocked the shit out of me, like, literally, literally, true story. Just dropped out, man. I couldn't. I'm like, he just, I was laughing. He knocked the shit out of me. He really did.
0: <laughs> well, well, there well, pretty you go. good,
2: but Pretty yeah, good. Look yeah, Manny Franchette
0: story. M- Manny Franchette's a bad dude, man. That guy played in that league yeah. forever and put up numbers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But uh, yeah, for yeah. anybody listening out there, just for the Sherbrooke team, this is the Sherbrooke team I'm talking about, uh, just to yeah. give people the idea of the lineup. So we have you, um, Craig Brunel, Simon Robaz. Yeah. Oh. Mike yep. Varhog, JF yep. St. Laurent, I mean, Mark yep. Black, I mean, you know, I mean, Blanger, I mean, it's uh, Paget, I mean, it's just on and on and on. It's like. A, yeah,
2: there's another guy, too, uh, Chiquan. I forget his first name. He's a Quebec police officer, but. Oh, there,
0: David. Tough, tough middleweight, oh. too.
2: Yeah, David Chiquan, a tough guy, too. Yep. Just the list goes on and on and on.
0: Yep. Yeah, and like you said, it's just yep. uh, just line them up and down. You know. Louis Pedard, yes, yeah. you're set, yeah. Oh. He was he was there in your second year. Um, no, first year he was gone. The second year. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. He went to Trois Rivieres. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah well, just uh, just in general. <coughs> well, and you had t- talked about him before, and I know he was uh, you know with his eighty some fights, he was fighting everybody. Um, you're running with uh, McMorrow. Yeah, a few times I fought him quite a few times. Um, I know. Yeah. I know. Dude. Talking to Muraschi was frustrated with him too. As Varhog
2: uh... hated him. I hated what he did to Varhog all the time.
0: Like, yeah, just grab on his neck and
2: hang on by his neck and try to jersey him. Like that's why. Finally, that one fight you'll see in YouTube. I decided to undo everything, all my tie downs, and I'm like, I'm done with this clown. Like, done with him and that turned out into a pretty entertaining fight with I like, geared down and got some ground and pound in him, some good shots. Um, remember the first time I fought him, I actually, we fell, we got up, we fought again. I caught him with a beautiful left hand, and as soon as I you hit the guy with a clean shot, that's all he does is grab you by your neck and your jersey. It's just brutal. Like, are, what are we doing here? Are we jersey wrestling each other, swinging by each other's necks, or are we trying to throw punches? And as soon as the guy would get... Hot, that's all he'd do he's the jersey master and then he'd skate around shooting the guns acting like he won what did you win uh, last time I checked the point of a hockey play was to punch each other in the face not to wrestle you down by your neck so
0: well and another guy like him. another guy you fought a couple of times was my boy Longhair from your neck of the, from out in from uh, Lavington BC uh, Curtis Swanson yeah, where,
2: where did this guy come from? He's a great guy. I Talked to him after we fight at the games, and well, oh. I have no idea where this guy came from or what. Well, what like, I know what he's all about, but yep. um, I don't know how he ended up in the Quebec League. Or uh, my
0: friend, my friend Kurt got him there, and uh, he came out of Junior B. Slave Lake could yeah. barely skate, and uh, my buddy Kurt just liked him and played him, and then uh, and he was in he was in the Quebec League at nineteen. In, in uh tetford mines and he was like the only crazy. guy they had and just well Swanee's utterly fearless i mean you yeah, can hit him with a bat and it doesn't matter he's gonna just keep yeah. coming but uh and he just loved doing it like he always said i want my two fights and then i can go have my beer that was his whole deal yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and yeah, he's I, a
2: good guy you know i remember fighting him and talking to him after and he was just a piece of work uh i got nothing bad to say about him i don't think he was a great hockey player but oh, I, maybe I'm wrong but yeah <laughs> so but I mean that's at that point uh, you know I'm, I know although I did still play some hockey there I know what the main draw was and yeah he did a good job and he really durable for uh, you know you, I'm always thinking that he could have got knocked out but um, you know he did really well and um, I, you know what I like an awkward fighter not saying that it's a bad style you see that in MMA and um, it's hard for guy because you you don't know what he's going to do. So, he's just kind of tough opponent to to adjust to and not really a traditional hockey player. Kind of, he'll swing backhand fists at you and all sorts of crazy stuff. You don't see like, uh, fighting like in the NHL camps or in the American hockey league or, part that, right? So, pretty cool. Pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and uh, well, I'm just gonna, I know I've kept you for a long time here, and you've told some great stories. I'm just gonna throw a couple last names at you, and uh, okay. one of the guys, and he played in that league, and he was around in the binders, and he's a character, and I know you fought him, was Brandon Christian.
2: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a big dude. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's Haywire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't... <laughs> I sometimes he had good fights and sometimes he was just um, the dancing bear, like a sack of like a sack of potatoes. Yeah. But um, yeah, last time I fought him, uh, he jumped me and um, got him down. I was hitting him a few times. We got up. And he ended up banging my head off of uh, the net off one of the posts. And whether it's intentional or not, I have no idea. But he's just a huge dude. Like, what do you think? He probably went to... 6465275 or something like that.
0: Oh yeah, apparently at the end he was like three bills and just, you know, just yeah, whatever, like, but he used to be a goalie and then decided to play yeah, cuz he, right. he wanted to fight. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah, and yeah.
2: I had ran into him years ago in the Western Pro League when he was in Lubbock and oh. I was in Corpus Christi, me and Bumstead, and I think he ran one of our guys from behind and we both jumped him. We're like, fuck this, look at the size of this guy. We jumped. We were both a lot smaller me and Bummer than and I don't think that was our intention. We didn't talk about it. We were just both on the ice, so we both just jumped them, right? Yep. But But um, that guy could take a
0: mean lick, and I'll tell you that. Yep. Well, he did a That's long done. time. Well, another yeah. guy from your neck of the woods, Tidball. I know you fought yeah, him, too. Yeah, I had a, yeah, a good fight with,
2: uh, with Tidder. Um, and we went and met up and had a beer after we got tossed out. I guess that must have been our second fight each, and his eye was just shot. I remember bugging him Ah Tanner, look at your eye and he's like, Fuck you. I'm like, Yeah, I'll buy you the first one. His eye was completely shot by man, is he ever a tough too. Oh, Holy he, smokes, that guy that guy stuck around
0: a long time, man. Oh, he was in that league forever and like oh. I mean and, and like fifty fights a year for like five, six yeah, years. Yeah. It's like Jesus man, you know, and then yeah. and and the last one I'll throw at you, uh, and he was around for a long time. I played a lot of leagues, uh, was Jason Rushton. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I um played minor hockey against uh Russian um yeah. So we had a we were we knew each other from minor hockey. He played in uh um, North Island, which is Port Hardy, Port Alice, Port McNeil, and I played in Paul River rep growing up in Bantam and that and so I I've known him since then and then in the B C League and uh you know what? He used to be a hell of a player. Yep. Yep. And 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 just to turn into a straight fighter like um, most of these guys we talked about today, they couldn't play hockey like I could. There's one guy right there that could. Yep. No. Nope. Um. But he like stopped playing hockey completely and just went in the street gladiator fighting mode, right? Yeah. So
0: got his money in Quebec and just went for it, I guess. But uh,
2: yeah, and uh,
0: sneaky, tough, compact guy,
2: strong guy, lefty. So. I remember we fought in a little bit of a line brawl, but I already knew he was lefty, right? So I just, I tied that left up. And, um, my left was, my, um, left was real good, a lot better than his right. So he ended up going down, but wasn't, I didn't like knock him out or nothing like that. Um, I think I ended up giving him a judo toss and hurt his elbow. He was, when he went down because there's, you know, five other fights going on. So, um maybe dirty. I didn't really mean it to hurt him like that, but uh, in the end he was fine and he's a tough guy and was a good good, good hockey player.
0: Yes, he was. Well, there there yeah. we go the uh the journey of Brad Wingfield it was uh, yeah. That was awesome, man. That was uh yeah. that was great. So uh you wrap up that's uh 07, 8 was your final year in Sherbrooke there and then uh what what uh what what are you doing nowadays? What what's Brad Wingfield up to these days?
2: Yeah, what am I up to these days? So, like I said, uh, New Angle Hockey, um, development. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram. We don't have a website up yet. That's with, uh, my partners, Chris Shaw and, um, Ryan Hallwig. So, trying to get spring, um, spring programs for kids off the, off, uh, up and running. I don't know if we'll get it this spring, but we're, um, you know, we're working with different minor hockey associations, the Sunshine Coast Minor Hockey Association, where I'm our, the hockey director here. Um, we're working with North Van, Minor Hockey Association. These guys do some work with, um, not so much of me because I'm on the coast, but my, our company is working with the Burnaby Winter Club, North Shore Winter Club. Um, we're just trying to expand it. Um, right now we've been doing summer hockey camps. It used to be called schools for, um, kids and youth. Um, we've been running on the Sunshine Coast for the last two years. We're trying to expand. We're looking, Holly's looking at, um, trying to set us up in Pison pilsen sorry in the czech republic where he's a real big star like real big the sheriff of pilsen um we're trying to get that going chris shaw obviously longtime junior head coach and uh junior b junior a um we're trying to get something going up in nelson in british columbia do a summer camp there so we're really just getting this thing um off the ground um so right now, this is the way I feel, and I've been doing this since 2011 with my minor hockey association, is unfortunately for me, because of the way I played hockey and the stories we talked about, in most Canadian towns, you're sort of looking, looked up at as a hero or a legend. Um, not so much for where I come from. I was blackballed, and because of the way I played hockey, I was told that I can't, wasn't able to coach kids um, in all this. I've been doing hockey camps in the summer development for over 25 years, starting when I played junior hockey. But anyways, I've worked myself right out of the hole to, to be a leader and a mentor in my community. Um, and it all comes back to I owe the game everything I have, every life skill. All these guys we talk about are, um, are my lifelong friends, Jeff Bumstead, John Morassi, Cruz Shaw, Ryan Hallwig, um, Kevin Homoka uh, the list goes on and on. Mike Barhog, um, all these guys. I'm probably forgetting a whole bunch. Sean Legault, Matt Sharuga. I mean, I could keep going on and on. I've all met these guys through the game, and that's taught me everything I know. And, I mean, it's my duty. I believe that I, that I give so much back to the game because I owe the game everything I have. And the best way you can do that is by passing on true hockey culture to the youth, especially where I live, which now we're trying to expand out and do it as a living. Um, you know, no more of this, Prawn fish, prawn boats, and yeah. concrete work, and um, like I mentioned before, seventeen surgeries. I have a spine issue in my lower spine, my neck, my ankles, my knees, shoulders, hands. Um, I just I don't want to do that work. I don't. Um, I want to be in hockey, and, and this is where we're heading. The last few years, so trying to make a career out of it. And what better way than to give back? So, New Angle Hockey, check
0: us out. Absolutely. That's great that you're doing that, man. And, uh, yeah, anybody yeah. listening, this guy, 12 year pro, he could teach you a thing or two. Don't be silly. So, it's, uh, penalties are not, you got to play. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, that's great and that you're in charge there. And, uh, that's great to hear that people came to their senses and, uh, and, and recognize that. But, uh, no, for sure, man. I will, like I said, I talk to Chris all the time on Twitter and we'll, we'll get your, I'll, I'll pump your name up as much as I can out there. Um, in terms of the business and everything, and uh, yeah, thanks, thanks,
2: Darren. Really appreciate that. And like I said, all these guys we mentioned, they're all. I'm still in contact with them. I know they'd love to be guests on your show. Um, I know the. I have great stories, but some of these guys probably have a way better stories than me, or just as good. And uh, uh, it's just nice to network and, and um, you know and expand and and um, remember this stuff because there wasn't social media and stuff around at the time, so. Like I said, if I didn't have the chance to talk to you today, I wouldn't have remembered a bunch of this stuff. And I know there's still, I probably forget more stuff than I remember, but doing things like this is given uh, insight, especially to the people that I'm close to. And I teach their kids into what a savage era used to be and how we can transition as savages into uh what, what I am today, which is, uh, you know, a hockey citizen, a good citizen, giving back to the kids and teaching them the game the proper way.
0: No, absolutely. And like I said, uh, you know, all us old school fans, we all, you know, we were always, we are big fans of yours and, and, and Merasties and all those guys. And I've always said to everybody, I said, that was the reason, the whole reason for this podcast, the fourth line voice just yeah. to give you guys a voice and a platform. Because I think a lot of times now, I mean, everybody, they kind of wanted, that was hockey, they always liked, the, oh, that was hockey's dark time and let's put that away way and no one talk about that anymore and it's like no no those you guys deserve to have your stories told and and that's why i want i wanted you and uh you know and, and and uh the other other tough guys to come on and share their stories and uh no man i totally appreciate you coming coming on and you were great and and uh i won't keep you any long because we've almost gone uh three hours and i could go three more listen to these stories that's horrendous. yeah, yeah. Well,
2: time flies eh? but i mean uh i love what you're doing and um uh, if time flies, I thought we are just at an hour here, so that's good to know. So yeah. Thanks a lot for what you're doing. I really appreciate it, and I hope um, the listeners out there
0: enjoy a few of the stories. Oh, they'll love it. But uh, once again, I'll let you go. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate it, and uh, have a good night. Thanks, Darren. Have a good one. You Bye-bye. too, man. Take it easy.